Have Issues, our show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, manga, web comics, and everything else you might be reading, uh, we're here to talk about it. Uh, as always, uh, we are here to talk about the newest week of releases of comic books. Uh, so by we, I mean myself, your host, Keith, and my stalwart sidekick, who's always at my side, Josue. Oh, man, I, I missed a good, heavy, heavy load of comics on my lap. It was um, all over my chest, all over my face. It was great. A good, good load of comics this week. <laughs> it's a lot. It was a lot of comics. <laughs> and we'll get to it. And uh, especially a lot from the big two. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a bit. So, uh, as always, we like to launch straight into our comics. However, I would be remiss if I don't bring this up before we get started. And I'll say we'll know what I'm talking about in a second. Oh, baby, yeah. We finally got an announcement. <laughs> Something. <laughs> <laughs> of casting for the Sandman. It, it's great. Uh, so we'll run through it real quick. Main character, the person that people refer to as Sandman, but is actually named Dream, is Tom Sturridge. And Josue, you're particularly excited about that, right? I am, because I really don't know his like range or his acting chops, aside from uh, Pirate Radio. Sochi, the kid that joins the boat, the main character, he's going to be Dream. She, she's just finding this out. So, so I'm very <laughs> fucking excited about this, because it's... Like I can just see this happening. Like the picture that they use is he already looks like Neil, like uh, uh, Neil himself. So yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I think it's got it all hinges on that first moment. You know, because if you read the yeah. book, there's there's a long time where Dream is you don't see Dream and you don't even know who he is, and he's in this cell, and then there's that first climactic shot of his face, and I cannot <laughs> wait for that. It's gonna be so cinematic. I, love I mean, it. that first episode when you when when people who don't haven't read it or have read the first issue or just been like figure out what endless waking is like that's a mm. curse like that's like way worse than death and it, it's just so fucking great yeah uh other casts uh this is this is one that i would say is probably my favorite casting but i don't know there's some good ones but gwendolyn christie as lucifer is gonna be so fucking good i <laughs> love this so much because like i mean it was it was like People just wanted Tilda Swinton to be the obvious go-to. I mean, and yes, um, I was I was still kind of maybe up in the fence about like kind of still bringing in the already Lucifer that, that for for that show, but it was like uh, you know, maybe it may be too different for plot It's holes not. It's not Gaiman's Lucifer. You know, it's not Gaiman's. It's not that Bowie Lucifer. And God damn it, but this was such a perfect casting. Yeah, the the like sexually ambiguous like oh hell yeah oh just it would, uh, she's, she's so perfect for it so we're also getting uh vivian uh, i'm gonna say that wrong Pong as lucienne the librarian of the dreaming which i'm very excited about oh fuck uh, yeah that some of these a lot of these announcements are the early dreaming characters mm-hmm. are making me very excited because i love the dreaming it's one of the coolest parts so <laughs> um and then we get oh actor extraordinaire Charles Dance as Roderick Burgess. I, I couldn't think of a better pick for that. <laughs> I was actually sitting here. I'm like, who would be better? I'm like, Patrick Stewart. I'm like, no, I don't think he would do it as well. You know, no, I, was like, yeah. I literally can't think of a living man who would play this role better. So that's incredible. Um, we get uh, Sanjeev Baskar as Kane and Asim Chaudhary as his brother Abel, which it is, is one, of the more, one of the more disturbing stories, Yeah, especially early in Sandman. So keep an eye out for that if you haven't read it. And then, I, I like I said, Gwendolyn Christie was was probably my favorite, but no, I, I have to take it back. Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian is perfect. This is fun. Like if if you already kind of did see him menacing in Logan, 
Yes. Just think of him in that, in that kind of like just creepiness, but just add the creep factor, especially with the teeth over the eyes or, or as eyes. Yeah, I really love this choice too. And I love the fact because they make a point of it that he's attractive. He's a very attractive man. Yeah. And I was worried they would go with someone a little too creepy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but like in the audiobook they went with Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed's voice is amazing. So you're like, yeah, I can get this. <laughs> literally, um, What's her name? Lucy? I think it's Lucy. Um, she, she shares an elevator with him at one point, and then she's like, he's hot, basically. And I'm like, that's an important part of it, I think. So I think Boyd Horbrook is going to be so good at that. Oh, I'm so excited, dude. So, yeah, we had to talk about that casting because we're big, big comic book oh, fans. Sure. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the casting. <laughs> I'm looking at the casting right now. I'm just looking at Tom again. It's like... <gasps> It's re- it's just like a young Neil all over again. It's, it was ba- <laughs> Sandman was basically self entered by Neil anyway, so yeah. it's perfect. No wonder he said it was it was he was so excited for this. Yeah, and then the other thing we know is that Taron Edgerton is cast, but we don't know who's who. Um, but he did voice Constantine. That'd be cool if they can bring in at least one from the other book. Yeah, yeah. But I had another thought is that he might be, uh, what's his name? The guy that doesn't die and he meets every hundred years or whatever. Oh, that'd be his fun. only friend. Yeah. Because it's all like fun dialogue and the guy drinking and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. honestly, Taron would kill that role. So that, and, I mean, that role could also just be like a super big A-list star that they don't, that they don't have to be in, in, super, in a long contract and just bring him in every now and then for like every other season or so. Uh, but yeah, like, he'd be cool for this one too. Yeah. And then we don't know who's going to be death yet, and we all know it hinges on that's what the success of the show is going to hinge on. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and uh, move straight into our comics now. Uh, so we're going to talk about our independent books first, and as always, we start with the books that we don't share. Um, we don't, I only have two this week, uh, so this shouldn't take me super long. And ironically, they're both Oni Press books. Um, so pulling up my notes real quick the first book is the third issue of agritsuko meet her friends based on the uh the anime little red panda girl who sings metal karaoke when she gets upset and she's great i love I her metal karaoke so much that's why i should read this i should watch this because it's one of my favorite things to just be like have you not seen it i've, I've only seen like the first episode or so or just clips of it and it's great but i just haven't sat down to really get the whole, or get invested with the characters as a whole. But I do love it because it's like one of my favorite things to do is just like get nervous at karaoke because like the last, the five, six songs before me are either like three old people, a super depressing one or a really poppy one. And then here I come with my super aggressiveness and then it just, it, it, it's awesome. Here I, I love it. <laughs> exactly. Here I come with my bullshit. <laughs> yeah. No, like literally when I, when I karaoke, I, pick the most depressing song i can like, <laughs> it's fun I like, though i like to sing creep by radiohead because yeah. it's hilarious to me that it just <laughs> brings down the whole room but like i just love it so um but yeah so a real quick a rundown of the creative team written by james asmus illustrated by megan huang colored by andrew dollhouse and lettered by crank um so each one of these issues has been based on um characters in her universe and her interacting with them and you learn a bit about their relationships and stuff um this one is based on the relationship with her and her boss and her boss is kind of a dick but he uh he gets a lot of development here and it's kind of interesting um to like how do i put this to see that he's not a good person 
by any stretch of the imagination, but that there's good things about him, and there's definitely worse people. So basically, long story short, he's put in a situation where one of his heroes is talking to him and basically talking down about women, about how terrible women are and stuff. And Damn, okay. And he stands up for them. And it was cool as hell. I was like, didn't expect it. The guy's like, you know women, no, they can't do anything right. Oh, jeez. And so basically, he's teamed up with a golf pro. That's what it is. And he's playing against uh, uh, Agatsuko's char- main character. And um, she's playing with a female golf pro. And so the guy's all, you know, uh, like threatened by a woman's, you know, being better than him and all this stuff. And they have a bet on the game. And the boss ends up throwing the game to let the women win just mm. to fuck this guy over because he's such a dick about it. And the best part is. Because in every issue they do the the metal karaoke thing, and it's really interesting when it gets to that point. Um, uh, the the I'm going to talk a little bit about this book because I really enjoyed it. It's my favorite issue yeah. of Sogo so far. Um, the guy says something really sick about like checking out a girl, and he goes, "What? I'm just saying what every guy thinks." And then the boss says, "You can speak for yourself, but I don't feel the same." Mm. And he's like, "What? Oh, you got to cover your ass with this one, huh, boss?" He's like, "No, I mean it." He's like, uh, when I knew I was going to be, basically when I knew I won this, I was upset until I thought about bringing my daughters because, you know, he won with the female pro. Yeah. He's like, the whole ride home and all night, I was getting really more and more hopeful and excited that maybe they'd get into golf too. And then we'd have something we could share and bond over. But when I brought the idea at breakfast, they hated the idea and said it was boring. He's like, but I still wish they could be here that I could share this with them. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, and then the dude's like, that's stupid. Girls have no place in real sports. If I were you, I'd just worry about marrying them off. And then, the, and then it's like, you don't have a family. And if you did, he's like, I have two ex-wives. Oh, he's my like, God. He's like, if you did have kids, it might open your eyes. You'd be surprised how someone you saw small and ho- helpless can prove to be stronger, smarter, and more amazing than you ever would have guessed. Yeah. You might start to expect people could be more than they've shown you instead of assuming them to be less. And then the dude just says something shitty. And then, yeah, then the, the boss is like, all right, I see some fools won't learn unless you teach them loud. And he turns his ball cap backwards, and he's the one that does the karaoke. <laughs> it's oh, so sick. great. Like, and, like, it's great because Agritsuko is doing, like, backup vocals for him and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. And that's when he throws the game, and the guy's like, oh, you didn't really beat me and all this stuff. And there's just a really cute moment where you basically get that he feels that way, you know, kind of kind of about our main character, but mm. won't tell her that, basically. Like, uh, he gives her extra work to do. Yeah. But he says, but that's only because I know you can handle it. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> like, so it's just really sweet. It was very adorable. Uh, it looks like this series might already be over with three issues, but there's going to be another Agritsuko series uh, called Meet Her World. So I think it's just going to be more, you know, world development stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so. that's cool. Yeah, um, but no, I totally dig it. Um, I've never been the biggest fan of Agritsuko to begin with, and the comics make me like it. I've actually gone back and started to rewatch the show, so which I know Liz really enjoys. It, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my first independent book. Spent a lot of time on that one. Um, my next one is a Rick and Morty one shot. Cool, and it is for the Deathstalkers, who you might remember from the Mad Max themed episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, what's his name? Hemorrhage. 
the one that ends up with with uh, Summer for a while. With Summer, yeah, with the with the mustache, <laughs> yeah, that's a good good bit. So this basically talks about what happens after that, and they're all going to kill him because he's responsible for them losing, you know, power because Rick stole the stone and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. And so he's just like giving up. He's like, I'm not a man. I can't even hold on to Summer. He's just like all, uh. and um. Then they basically discover that there there could be more stones out there, and they ask him to lead them to them. So he goes on this on this trip uh, with them, and he turns into a badass and kills a bunch of zombies and stuff. And they're like, "Wow, we're really impressed with you. Now you can you can survive and stuff." And then he discovers a, a like one of the zombie mutant things, but it's a baby. And he's like. I'm going to take this with me, you know, like this is a baby <laughs> and they're like, kill the baby. And he's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, Oh, this is the Mandalorian. They're making fun of the Mandalorian. I love it. So basically they're basically like, kill the baby. He refuses. So he ends up fighting all of them and killing all of them. Uh, so then he rides off with the baby and he names it summer. So there is a bit with, um, with summer Rick and Morty when they come in to get more isotope because they ran out. Um, but yeah, it's pretty great. Um, I, I enjoyed it. So, not a, not a ton about it. Uh, I would that, that was one of my least favorite episodes of Freaking Morty, but uh, I still enjoyed this issue. So yeah, it's pretty great. Um, I believe. Oh, and uh, creative team. That's right. Um, written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Ryan Lee, colored by Leonardo Ito, and also lettered by Crank. So um, that is my individual reads oh sway what do you got because i think you got some big ones this week uh yeah i got a few um four indie books uh first i'll start with a comic that i've just really loved this, this whole ride over uh stargazer by mad cave oh Mad-Cave you're gonna comics? start with stargazer i thought you'd close with stargazer wow i mean uh, I, I, there's i had two great indie books so i'll start with this one and i'll put the other one at the end uh my other good big one at the end i just what, I, issue, I just, what issue number again is number five Okay. Uh, the penultimate book uh, uh, issue for the series by Anthony Cleveland, uh, Antonio Fuso, and Stefano Simone as a colorist. With the, and Antonio being the artist, and Justin Birch as a letterist. Uh, so yeah, earlier this week, Anthony Cleveland on Twitter promised that all of our answers would be, all of our questions would be answered in this issue. <laughs> and I, I even said, I, I just I put saw the you gift. Call him out. <laughs> yeah, like I don't believe you, because I mean, I, it was just a hook, you know, and. And it was all in good fun. Uh, turns out he actually does go above and beyond to explain what's all been going on and why the these aliens have kind of been here. Uh, so think it's, it's the sky of mind that's really kind of here to kind of fuck us over. Um, basically, in, in, in this in this case, we're for an alien invasion, not invasion, but just I guess when they visited and they kind of sent out the one humanoid lookalike or lookalikes um, to kind of, for us to make sense of what an alien is when they come down here, pretty much the whole job is to um, share our, uh, share their information, share their technology. So we can be at least like warm up to them. Meanwhile, so much so, uh, but they only come and uh, do this. And while they're doing this, and as they're doing this, that's when it starts siphoning out the resources. And as our, when our planning is dying out and because our planning is dying out, that's when uh, civilization, uh, not just here, but in other planets, as like right now, it's just like kind of where, they, where they've been stuck. But through other, through other planets, since the planet's dying uh, and they've been there and they kind of helped them out advance, now 
civil like people or at least civilizations on other planets have to work together and work harder to try to survive. That's where they're that's where as like as a whole, their intellect and like like enlightenment kind of like comes in. And that is what the aliens want. That's, that's what the sky mind wants in the end is to just take uh, like the pe- like people as their uh, uh, in their strongest and their most smartest capabilities because yeah <laughs> just but in order to survive and then that's when the sky mine comes in and just sucks up the planet and kills it kills it in the end so how they've been stuck here on earth this whole time or at least like from i think it was like in the starting in the 80s or in the late 80s in the 90s like when there were girls um and then the brother just gets abducted and he, he doesn't come back quite the same um so that's kind of answer number one answer number two is that the the one like the humanoid alien that came uh, that came down he basically kind of figured out that he's been used in kind of in a kind of in a silver surfer way that he that he basically found out that he is an artificial live created and then once he's been used he'll just be disposed of in the end and yeah and because it's an artificial intelligence it's almost like well, he said he just said, "Well, fuck that to the sky mine and the enemy of my enemy," you know. So he's been leaving trails. Like that's why this one issue had like a weird scene of a beached whale on the fucking moon, uh, and you're just like, "What? Why?" And it's just like, it's, and it was like uh, that alien just leaving clues that there's there's something else out there. And then the last thing is that the sky mine was just like really close to finishing the job to just like to start triggering. It was like the just catastrophe so we can start surviving and that's our intellect and right before that that's when it goes to the beginning of the story and the girls are like fake tripping on that fake lsd and the alien comes in and he kind of took it to he used it to his advantage and there's this like there's this last thing like a last key uh for the sky mind to for, to trigger this and he breaks it and pretty much just like hides it um in in, uh, in like the, the the girls and the and the boy but he ends up having to use the boy as like a way to communicate i think um but yeah and because in the end it's like the only way to to link to link the boy still to, to, it's, it's like a weird tether and at that point it's it, it does come into the last the last act for the next issue and what they have to do in order to finish it and it's just been it's just been so much fun I, I really like this one a lot so thank you again to the team because stargazer is quite a fucking trip and i just love the color like the color of this like throughout it like in order to get like the space vibe or like like the way they kind of use it in this case, it's like this beautiful like pink pink hue, and it's like it's almost like in this new color, and like I just I love the the way it just looks. It's really cool. Nice. So, moving on, let's move on to to image department department of truth number five. By yeah, James Tinian the fourth artist is Martin Simmons and letter uh, Dita Bidikar. Um. So yeah, I did enjoy this book a lot. Uh, it, I'm glad, but at the same time, it was really, really cool. I'm glad that this issue wasn't as emotionally heavy on my soul as the last two issues were. They were quite a ride. Like, they're they're really awesome. I was just like, the fact that just James was just putting all those words on paper, and I was just like reading it like, what? Okay. Uh, but this one, at least it came back to to the plot and like coming back to the, to the Department of Truth. And now I'm just I'm still just as confused as I was before, at least before we were getting some answers to certain conspiracies or at least like how they're playing it off on uh, in this book. Uh, but now it's God damn it. it. It did that trope where it's just like, hey, the people you've been working for, 
don't trust them. You should trust this this side instead. And you're just like, all right, I don't believe you, but now you're really making me not really believe this side either, which I guess I should have this whole time anyway, based on this Department of Truth of fucking conspiracy. So I guess that, that one's on me. <laughs> But I really liked it. I really fucking love this book too. It's just like it's so dark and like the like and the art in this one. I guess I I love how twisted it is. I love how it it's like there's a lot of pages where it does this like it wants to do this like subliminal messages like just like in this grand way where it's just where it's just obvious, but it's just like it's always been there type of thing. Uh, it, it's really cool. I just it like it, it plays with my conspiracy tickle button. So that's yeah. Department of Truth number five. Really like this one too. Uh, next, so moving on to Source Point, Source Point Press. Mm-hmm. Yes, Source Point Press. Um, I ended up getting Dead End Kids, uh, Dead End Kids Two, The Suburban Job. Is that the title, or just Dead or Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job is the title by Frank Gogol, uh, who we interviewed way back when. Art and color by Nanad. Oh shit, Nanad. <laughs> City Cannon. And that's really, really my bad. That's not it at all. Um, I would really want to know where this, where this name is from, actually, because it's really cool. But anyway, Dead and Kids, Dead and Kids Two. I'm just gonna call it that for short. Uh, it's how do you put this? Um, it's I don't want to say a heist book because definitely a, a group of kids find a lug like a just a bunch of fucking money like in this in this duffel bag. And obviously it's not theirs and we'll see where, what they do with it. Cause that's kind of where it leads off, but it's really about, it's, it's going to be about these kids and how they're connected. And this, the story is set in New York, eight years, seven or eight years after nine 11 and it, seven years after nine 11. Uh, so it's definitely going to play on like, may, may, they were like really good friends way back when as kids. Cause you can definitely tell that, are, that they are connected, that they used to be friends. Cause now that now in high school, they're just, in their own clicky way because you can definitely tell in what clicks they they fall into now and they just kind of like not talk shit not talk shit to each other but you can definitely tell there's some weird weird animosity there um yeah one being like a jersey shore jock like dude um an alternative girl who's definitely a loner and is definitely going through issues you can definitely there's there's a scene where she definitely picks up a razor and there's history there and then a middle eastern girl who definitely seven years fresh after 9-11 has not had a good time in fucking new york city of all places so it's very it's i mean it's very dark but honestly i i I do i do like it i do like this one i honestly i did like the first the first book too it was just like that that dark that dark almost like honest type of tone and dialogue it was just like you know what fuck it if no other books aren't really gonna like get deep like this fuck it i'll get i'll get my fix from 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 this guy because goddamn it frank gold can be kind of dark um i appreciate it uh, so yeah, Dead and Kids two, Dead and Kids, the suburban job, uh, is out number one, and yeah, I'm gonna see this one through. Um, kind of curious how kind of how he plays with this topic. Yeah, definitely. And now my other favorite indie book of the week by Source Press, uh, Source uh, Source Point Press, is Damned Cursed Children number one. I saw uh, it and I was like. I bet Hosei gets that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the creative team is written by Howard Wong and Josh Stafford. Art by Robin Simon and lettered by Howard Wong. So this has to go down. Oh, the reason why I got it was the cover is like a play on the Here's Johnny from The Shining. Mm-hmm. It's like a lady in the back, like screaming up against the door. But instead of just one person, it's a bunch of kids with 
weird demonic red red eyed looking faces coming through the door. Uh, yeah, basically, like the, the exact same scene. It, it's, it's it's very the Shelley Duvall faces is, is there. Uh, but anyway, this has to go down as up there as my favorite zombie apocalypse. My my favorite zombie outbreak, the the, the actual occurrence of the outbreak happening. Why? Because this is the one I would believe the most. When a zombie apocalypse happens, I really don't see the shit running for more than maybe two weeks. I don't see, I don't see like the, the, the globe's government really being overrun by like zombies. If they can just like let bullets loose on, on the undead. Um, That's just my opinion. It's like, unless it's actually airborne, and then, then, then we're all fucked. But if it's like a, regular, it's a typical zombie apocalypse, I, I think we'd be fine after a while. I don't think it would be last more than fucking 10 years or shit like that. But what if out of nowhere, basically like in a, in a why the last man type of when the shit just happens, how, because it just happens for no reason. What if the zombie apocalypse ju- just triggers on the infant, on the young? Everybody would be confused as fuck everybody be dazed not knowing what to do not knowing if he ha- uh, what <laughs> and, uh, killing a child would probably come 30th in your list before you react to surviving that's why that's how i believe the zombie apocalypse would last because we just everybody would just be fucked after this and that's exactly what this book is it literally <laughs> starts with just kids it's like you're just piecing it together there's no like there's no new segment. I'm like, well, cr- like crazy shit is, is ensuing as kids are killing adult everybody. None of that's happening. You're just piecing it together as kids are just going left and right, and everybody's <laughs> just going down. There's some plot. There's there's some different plot holes where there's like a, a kind of a Shaun of the Dead moment. There's like a, a I call it a, a, a room a roommates of just full of women, and one is like, hey, it's your turn to get the coffee. <laughs> She's like, where's the coffee? Is like, well, it's your turn since you finished it. And she goes out and gets it all like groggy, not realizing that it's not until she kind of steps out that she realizing what's going on. Um, and yeah, so you just get different plot, a uh, little different uh, stories on like how it's all just going down and nobody's reacting on time. And that's kind of where it leaves off. I would one of the other, like another story is um, a teacher gets uh, locked in a closet with a janitor and the janitor has been so focused on the piping that he's just like, well, they're just kids. And just like, and then, but then they're just like banging on the fucking door. He's like, Oh, what's going on? And that's, that's where it leaves off. And yeah, the, the door breaks through and you see a hand come in. So this is, this is why I say it was my favorite zombie outbreak. Cause I definitely believe like just shit lasting after, from this one. <laughs> I would, I, I mean, I can't wait for it for the, for this to be explained. Cause this is just like really cool to just go for the kids. And so, and what's really funny, the scene of like the, like the flat with the, with all the, with all the women, she's and the one that's getting the coffee. You can definitely tell she's taking some self-defense classes because as she's being surrounded by the kids, she hits one of them with a bag of coffee and it just spills everywhere. And she palms the fuck out of another one. (laughs) It's really cool. So it's like, it's just kind of funny just seeing these kids just being beaten up. So (laughs) I I just really liked it. So that's why it was my other favorite book. I I was not expecting this at all. Nice. Awesome. Uh, That's all your indies? Yes. Okay, well, we'll launch into our shared indies, which are two books. And we'll start with uh, Something is Killing the Children, yes, number 14. Cool. Um, so I would like to point out that my phone 
the autocorrect now understands the abbreviation of something is killing the children. Sick tick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like I, I was typing it and it was like, oh, you mean full caps S I K T C? I'm like, fuck <laughs> yes, I do. So that's excellent. Um, so uh, we catch up with our favorite monster slayer, Erica Slaughter, and uh, she. We find out so much about her monster companion. Even uh, yeah, the expanding on the mythos where I, I just thought this was a kind of like it's already mo- real monsters, but to expand on the mythos was just really good. Where I thought it was more of a grounded tale. Yeah, I really dug it, and we got to see like we start to see like the use of it, why she keeps it around, <laughs> um, and you know we get we get to see some really great uh, character development from uh, the two kids that are left basically, yeah. and and at the same time we have this really tense situation going on at the school where basically the entire town is about to get wiped out and uh it's because you know we got to cover up the fact that this happened you know they can't get out to the public and uh i was really enjoying this and god i just love those white masks so much uh they're just so dope looking Um, i do want a white one too (laughs) and Basically, Erica uses uh, uses her monster to summon all the other monsters to her, and she fights them. And then uh, we actually get a really cool moment, and I think it was really cool, like um, a sacrifice, I guess you could say. Sacrifice yeah. play, Tommy is uh, yeah. basically Tommy. Uh, basically, is like, so you need to kill all these people because they saw because the, these monsters. Well, there are no monsters. I killed all these people, and he basically is insisting he's the one that killed everybody. So everybody here doesn't need to die because there aren't monsters. I did it, and it's like, okay. And I'm like, this. Where's he going with this? This is pretty great, actually. You know. So uh, we do get a cut off of that, uh, where one of the one of the other people says, "This isn't going to work, kid. The monsters still out there. They'll kill again. There's a cleaner cleaner way to end all of this." And I'm like, I need to know what's going to happen here. So. Um, I really enjoyed this. There's a lot of really great action in this. Uh, when she's fight the scene where she's fighting the baby monsters, and uh, yeah, I just absolutely love the the design of her monster and how it transforms and stuff. So, uh, what about yourself? What what did you take away from it? So, no, no, it was really cool to uh, kind of have like a a true A B story in in one issue. Uh, I mean, I, I I loved everything. Yeah, like her expanding the mythos of what she can actually do with the doll, and yeah, how she, how cool she is, even though it's kind of like. I don't know, not, I can have some issues, but there's definitely, like, some stuff to unpack on, like, her carrying around this doll, which is, again, just lead, makes me think of, like, what what are the white masks, like, carrying around? What are their dolls? And what do their demons look like? And, like, the shit that they have to deal with. Uh, but hopefully we get to that. And, and she yeah. also says that her doll isn't a threat to anybody but her. Right. Which I was like, ooh. That's right, so again, like these badass over here with white masks, like they have their own demons that are also maybe after them, but man, they're, are they playing this shit so cool? Yeah. No, uh, I'm really, really liking it, yeah. Oh, no, totally. And, and then, yeah, like Erica having like just her badass moment, like the one panel where like like her eyes are just kind of distorted, like her iris, like, or her pupil are just like, draw comes down almost like a, like a cat, but it's like, it's, it, looks, it looks different. Her kicking ass is really good. And yeah, that self-sacrifice in the end was just like just menacing. So cool. Yeah, I th- that 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 dude Tommy has really had an arc. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, Throughout totally. As, yeah. as far as arcs, I was not expecting it from him. 
Yeah. I also I was think kind of, but Oh, you were, yeah. But not like this. I was expecting him like to want to become one of them or or, or like that, not you know? compared like you can kind of compare like he's gotten like a lot of like i guess screen time page time uh as much as like the the main kid the the glasses kid who's kind of like attached to erica he's got as, as much as attention as he has to which i kind of think like he'll, he's gonna join the house of slaughter i think he'll that's be a student I, that's that's what i think is gonna happen personally yeah yeah so but yeah great book uh Yay. and our second james tinney of the fourth for the week so yes yeah uh so as always written by james tinney fourth uh, art is by Werther Deladera, and colorings by Mikel Marto, and And World handles the lettering, uh, which leads us. Oh, and that's published by Boom, which is also yes. the publisher of our next book. We only find them when they're dead. Number five. Oh my god! Uh, now this is the end of the first arc, and this book, me and Josue have been saying, <laughs> let's wait. <laughs> I, I like we've we've given very light reviews to it and we've enjoyed it yes but we've been like i think i need it all mm-hmm. to appreciate it and so we're at the end of the first arc where are you at this way i mean at this point it was, it was so worth the wait so worth the ride uh where every issue was just like yeah no i liked it but it was just it was just eye candy but it was just like, but we know the name Al Ewing, and then we know there's so much more to this. And just like, I just don't know what's going on. Like, but, I, but we trust the guy. And the, did you? Because we didn't get to, you didn't get to talk about the last issue where we did get some answers. But God damn it, issue number five, we finally get some answers. Some, oh, I ended up picking it up. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I know you did, but it was like during during our break, and we didn't really. Yeah. You, we you never really dove into it, and I didn't want to completely spoil it for you because there were some yeah. reveals there too. Uh, but in this one, there is definitely for sure answers are in number five. If you've been waiting, issue number five is where the answers are. And yeah, like I said, it's just so, so worth the wait. Yeah, definitely. And that's the best way to put it. We get some answers and we get an idea of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And we get an idea of who these characters are, um, which which is the part that I like the most because I'm all about the character. I'm all about the story. I love mm-hmm. the art. Don't get me wrong, but I've never had that you know eye that a lot of people do for art. Yeah. Uh, but character development, that's where I'm at. So finally getting these uh, twists of who everybody is and how they're re- you know not related to each other, but how they're connected to each other. I guess is the way I'd put it. Yeah. Um, was very very. Um, enjoyable i really enjoyed it It definitely made it a really good arc but it also left it on a point where yeah i'm excited to see where this goes i mean at this point it's just like where (laughs) where it can go the ending was just like was like wow like turning that page just like wow and but then that epilogue was just like holy shit yeah definitely and just (sighs) the art i mean (laughs) yeah it's there's no one in in comics right now doing art like Simone de Mayo. It's like he's capturing glass on paper. It's gorgeous. It's it's almost like oil paintings. Like it's just beyond art. It's beyond comics, which sounds I mean, <laughs> condescending, but I, but it's it's great. Like it's just so good. Like what are comics like eight by eleven or so, give or take? And he's able to capture like just big on on a page just like so beautifully it, it's awesome and if, if anything like this book i like, guess it's, it's one of those where like i actually really really do 
want to go back and do like the like the reread to actually puzzle now that i understand the timeline because man that's what was one of the confusing things about this one is it, it would go back between like certain dates and certain years and now that i kind of get it i really want to be able to piece it and understand the dialogue a lot better because yeah like the, the 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 one death that happens in this book and it's just like now that we understand her and why the the anger like i want to understand the anger from the beginning now right yeah uh, it's yeah. it's very very good, man. And, and that's just book one. It felt like we've been reading so many like indie books that just like that come to a close, and it's like, well, that was really fun. Like, goddamn it, we, we get more. I was getting that feeling because kind of how it leads off, but then I remember like, wait, this is just book one. We get more. Yeah, definitely. We need to find out more about the gods. Yes, absolutely. Periods. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, as always, of course, published by Boom, written by Al Ewing, uh, art by Simone DeMeo, coloring by Maria Sara Mioti, and Anne World doing the lettering. So really good. Uh, that wraps it up for me as far as indies go. You ready to move on to DC? Yeah. Okay. So DC, we're in the middle of Future State. And as you guys know, I am buying every Future State comic and reviewing yeah. them. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and... I know Josue picked up one this week. I'm going to go ahead and start off with the ones I have, and then we'll wrap up with the one he has last. Okay. Um, so, first one is uh, one of our first number twos, Dark Detective number two. So, we have the next Batman, which is the person who's actually operating as Batman. But Dark Detective is what's going on with Bruce Wayne, because he's presumed to be dead, basically. And um, I cannot express enough how excited I am for the future of DC coming out of future state. I know we talked about it before future state even started just from the announcements we're getting, but this dark detective story that's written by Mariko Tamaki and drawn by Dan Mora with colors by Jordi Belair and lettering by Adelia Bidikar. It's just great. Um, Mariko Tamaki is such a great writer and I am absolutely loving this story and the art matches it perfectly it's a lot of like, it's a very classic Batman style art that I'm really enjoying, and it's just cool. It's it's a low tech Batman surviving like you know, not with all the gadgets and stuff. Like he has to stay off the radar. He has no money, things like that, which is a really cool thing to explore for a character like Batman who has always had all those advantages. Like the joke is his superpower is that he's rich. You know what I mean? Um, in this case, yeah, it's it's not that at all and he has to rely on his wits and that's really really dope so um i'm really 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 enjoying this one if you are a batman fan this is a book to pick up uh i'm not a big batman batman fan but i'm enjoying it quite a bit so um also it makes you kind of a little paranoid about government surveillance on you okay no because, for that part yeah because you find out like at one point he finds a micro drone it's about the size of a bee, and it has a uh, cloaking device inside of it. So even though it's tiny, it can also cloak. Jeez, okay. And so he's like, how many of these are out there, basically? And you find out he's been living with this, like, doomsday prepper guy that's always like, they're watching us, they're watching us. And then he comes to the conclusion, he's like, shit, they are watching us, basically. <laughs> like, So it's just like, it's a really cool like angle to take. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. The second half of the book, because this is a two-story book, is about 
one of my favorite DC characters, and that is the Red Hood, Jason Todd. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. So Jason, as opposed to everybody else involved in um, the Bat family, has joined the other side, is working for the magistrate, the people who are trying to take over uh, Gotham as a you know, police force. So, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting book. I'm trying to figure out how exactly I feel about this book because it's hard to kind of like really express it. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of things I really like about it. Um, for instance, I love the new Red Hood design. I think it's gorgeous. Oh, and I should point out, uh, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Giannis, uh, Mila, Milana Giannis. There we go. Uh, color by Jordi Belair and letter by Troy Pateri. So I really like the Red Hood design. I think it looks great. I think the new mask is awesome. Um, I like how some of the backgrounds aren't even fully colored. It adds a really cool sketchy like feel to it. Hmm. Yeah. And overall, I like the art. Um, I, I generally like it. It's not super detailed. It's not going to be that. It's it's stylized in that way. So um, if that's not your thing, then I guess don't pick it up. I really liked it. Um, and basically, you find out he's the one who, who's hunting down a bunch of masked people, right, for the magistrate. But you also find out that he refuses to kill, whereas everybody else in the magistrate is just killing left and right, basically. So that's kind of interesting, and I think that gives an interesting motivation as to why he would work with them. He wants to make sure it's done properly. He wants to make sure people aren't just killed outright. And they, talk, they keep talking about his partner. And uh, they don't tell us who it is for about half the book. And his partner has no problem killing. And uh, you realize you actually saw them on the first page, but you don't realize it. Mm. Because he's getting out of bed and there's a woman in bed next to him. And you, she, she's like a, a mound. You can't really see her very well. So it's not, it doesn't draw attention to it. Um, but you find out that his partner is Ravager, Rose, Deathstroke's daughter. Who is another one of my favorite DC characters. Interesting, okay. Yeah, so um, basically they're together and they're also partners, but she's, you know, she has no problem killing and he won't kill, which is great because he's the Red Hood and that kind of like flips the whole Red Hood thing upside down, which I th- which I would like quite a bit. Um, long story short, they're finding people who are masked and they're literally just trying to run like food kitchens and stuff. And they find out they're being controlled by the Mad Hatter's technology they find the dead dead Mad Hatter and realize it's not Mad Hatter that's doing it. And as soon as they find it, immediately, basically a crime alert. Imagine um, uh, John Wick. Immediately a crime alert goes out for Jason Todd for Ooh. a massive reward to kill him. <laughs> and he's like, shit, and that's where the story ends. Oh, okay. So he stumbled across something that he should not have. So um, I like it. Um, I was kind of annoyed when I first heard that Jason was on the side of the magistrate. I was like, really, Jason? That's the one? It's always Jason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's not, not a, a fault of the story or anything like that. It's just, I literally, because I, I don't think the writer was like, yeah, let's do this. I think it was more like, just like, the, well, this is, we don't have anything planned for Jason. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's, hmm. it's, it, was, it was, I like the story though. I really did. And um, I think the only thing I didn't like about it is the fact that it came immediately after the Dr. Detective story which has just been a shining light in these DC books. So um, 
when you have such great art in um in the original one from Dan Mora, you know, Dan Mora art's incredible. Yeah. Uh, when you have that and then you go into more of like a sketchy art, I can see where some people would look at that and be like, ugh, like that immediately turns you off comparatively. It's a big contrast, yeah. But I like it. I, I think it looks pretty good. So. I mean, I feel like it balanced the book too. It's like one like really pretty and then but then the other one is just like, yeah, a different take on Gotham. Yeah, exactly. So but I personally enjoyed it. So um the next one I got is Batman Superman number one. Okay. So <coughs> excuse me. Uh, DC has a tendency to do these team-up books, Batman, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Um, we've joked about it before where it's like every book has to have Batman in it. <laughs> uh, just like every team has to have Wolverine in it. I'm being fair. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so this one uh, takes place, I think this is, if I'm not mistaken, the earliest of the Future State books. Okay. Um. And the reason I say that is because Superman's still on Earth. The Magistrate just showed up in Gotham. Nothing seems any kind of like post-apocalyptic yet. It, it's pretty normal, even and more is, so than even more so than Flash. Is this Bruce or Fox Batman? This is Bruce as Batman too. That's oh, okay. So, um, good question. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> basically, the story is, and I would like to point out. This uh, this is a thing I bring up a lot, but I just want to make sure it's clear here. Um, for those of you who absolutely love Justice League, the movie, or love everything that um, Snyder has done with the DC movieverse, I, that's fine. That's for you. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yuck anybody's yum. But uh, this is my Batman and Superman. <laughs> oh shit really this is what i want from them so oh okay okay. Uh, yeah so basically um in this there's a kid who tries to kill himself in metropolis and superman stops him and catches him and he's just like what's the matter kid and he like buys him a hot dog or something and they sit down and talk and the kid's like no one ever remembers me and all this and then he um he reveals that he got this drug that lets him change into an animal like to look like an animal person basically and he's like it's really cool it's a street drug it's really cheap get off the dark web he's like but basically there's side effects if he loses emotion he automatically transforms and now he's like no one's gonna want to date me and it's and superman's like i'm gonna handle this kid like just very superman like right and he takes him to Star Labs and he's like you guys try to find a cure for him you know it's just like okay and then we cut over to Gotham where Bruce is flying the, the Batwing and he's trying to keep all undercover and Superman pulls up next to the Batwing just flying and he goes, Batman, it's been a while. <laughs> and Bruce is like, what are you doing here? Get inside right now. <laughs> he's like, you should have called ahead. He's like, it's nice to see you too, Bruce. He's like, the Batwing has stealth tech that makes us invisible unlike your bright red cape. He's like, I happen to like my bright red cape. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is Batman and Superman. Why do we have that banter? Yeah. Murdering each other. So basically Batman explains to the magistrate and Clark's like, huh? <laughs> like <laughs> this is going on over here. <laughs> like, like, yes, yes, Clark, it is. And so <laughs> I would not allow this at all. Batman, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, sounds like you really lost control of your city there. Batman. <laughs> so he asks about the drug and Bruce is like, yeah, I know about it. And they confront some kids who are like, um, 
or they see some kids that are like vandalizing a thing and they're all kind of mid transformed into animals. And then one of the cybernetic dudes show up from the magistrate and they're about to kill the kids for like spray painting some stuff basically. Oh no, wait, they destroy a drone. That's what it was. And then Superman walks up and just lets the bullets hit him. He's like, not today. And I'm like, excellent. <laughs> like, I just love it so much. And they're like, oh, we're going to kill you. And Superman basically casually uses x-ray vision to make sure it's just completely a robot and not a person in there. And then just obliterates it in one shot. Like, And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how easy it would be to solve all of Gotham's problems in the future state. So if Bat- or Superman would just get off his ass. <laughs> well, he so, has his own city to protect. That's enough. <laughs> fuck off. So, um, so basically, they end up going in and... Um, it's just there's more Superman interactions. Like these homeless guys can't light the flaming barrel. Their what matches got wet. Superman uses his heat vision to make it spark. And Batman's like, "Could you fucking chill?" <laughs> Basically, we're like we're undercover. Damn it! And so they fight some more uh, animal dudes, and um, they split up. And as they always should, Batman's doing his little covert thing and doing research, and Superman's fighting. And he's fighting the new Mister Toad, which is cool. I love Mister mm-hmm. Toad. Um, and basically, they're using this drug to hide their identities from the magistrates because it's all like facial scans. So if they look like animals, it doesn't work. And Batman's just like doing his research. He's like, oh, what are you doing here? This is weird. Something's wrong here. And then Superman's like, don't worry, Mr. Toad. We'll work on this together. We'll face the magistrate together. And the guy's like, uh, Superman, he sneaks up and stabs him with a kryptonite knife. And says, I don't think so. Oh. So now the, I intentionally didn't tell you the very beginning of the story because it ties back to what just happened. It's Batman and he's being chased by a bunch of rats that have heat vision. The fuck? Okay. And he says, usually when I encounter heat vision eyes, they belong to an ally, a friend. But in this godforsaken place, they belong to the rats. Clark, what have they done to you? Oh, shit. Oh, wait, okay. Yeah. So I think I think Mr. Toad did some experimentations and took his powers and gave it to the rats. So and maybe other people, we'll see. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um now I loved this book and it will not surprise you when I tell you this was written by Gene Lewin Yang, who has been writing some of my favorite books right now, anyways. <laughs> so yeah. Um uh, the art is by Ben Oliver, and I'm not, I don't know Ben Oliver very well, to be honest, but I'm a fan from this book alone. Like, nice. I really enjoyed this. Oh, by the way, and if anyone was wondering, Gene Luen Yang did uh, Shang-Chi. So, oh, okay, <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. So, um, And then Arif Prianto as the colorist, and Tom Napolitano as the letterer. I genuinely enjoyed this book. Um, it's, except for the Mariko Tamaki run on Dark Detective. It's probably my favorite Superman or Batman story yet for the for future state. So, oh, okay, cool. Yep, definitely very good. So, next up, <clears throat> another Superman book, of course. Uh, <laughs> this one is Superman versus Imperious Lex. Uh, so this is the Lex Luger story, and they do something really fun with Lex Luger here that I think is really cool. We open up with the the uh what's it called united planets which is like the united nations but planets Mm -hmm. 
And it's all these different representatives of planets, and they're all trying to work things out. And you find out that the representative of Earth is Lois Lane, who is like gray hair now and stuff, but she's still oh, kind of like sexy looking. So um, she's basically like, hey, I got to tell you guys something. I got a request from um, Lexor, quote, you know, the planet that Lex Luthor rules. Oh my god! And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, I was, as soon as I read that, I'm like, I'm gonna love this. So, dude, this whole time isn't trying to get soups out out of the planet that he finally found his own fucking planet and get the fuck out of here. He makes the point of it actually later on when he's like, <laughs> when he's like, came to Earth and ruined my life, and I left, and you followed me. <laughs> like, basically, so, amazing. Like, and I was like, that's a good fucking point, actually. So, um. So yeah, basically an older Superman shows up and he's like, I know what Lex is up to. Lex built a bunch of robots and the robots are stealing stuff from all the other planets for Lexor. Of course. And, and so Superman shows up to Lexor. Well, Lexor has a red sun, so Superman's quickly losing his powers. Ooh. And he destroys all the robots and he's just like, you know, hey, citizens of Lexor, your leader is lying to you. And they're like, boo! <laughs> get out of here we love lex luther <laughs> like it's a, and then he's like there will be no more robots and blows up the lex robot facility and the guy's like he destroyed the robot factory i worked there <laughs> like it's, it just all backfires so spectacularly and then lex shows up in his power suit and superman's power is waning so he almost beats superman superman wins the away and everybody's like yay lex <laughs> basically like and so they're gonna try to find a way to stop lex basically and l their theory is lex might chill out if he's allowed to join the the you know united planets so they vote to let him in but the person who nominated him has to go and like to coordinate everything with them and that's lois lane so that's what's leading us into the next issue so okay yeah and the last thing lex said after superman like wrecked lexor was uh, if I see you or anyone you ever or you love ever again, I will destroy them or something like that. I was like, Ugh, that's poorly timed. <laughs> so, um, enjoyable book. Uh, I enjoyed it uh, for what it is. It, it is very clearly a comedy book. There's some great little jokes with the uh, different people in the United Planets, including a jar of sand, which is great. <laughs> Just that's their race, I guess. Um, but quickly written by Mark Russell, drawn by Steve Pugh. Colored by Romulo Fajardo and lettered by Carlos Mengual. Um, so good stuff. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, next one. This was a weird one. And uh, I've, been, I've been trying to think about how I want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> this is Legion of Superheroes. Okay. Now I'm going to start with the creative team in this case. Because, yeah. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, he finally got one? Cool. Yeah, that's what I was like, oh, okay. Uh, drawn by Riley Rossmo. Uh, colored by Ivan Placencia. And lettered by Dave Sharp, who's done a couple different books. Um, I'll say this. The art, once again, is going to be kind of a sketchy style. And won't be for everybody. Personally, I think it works even better here than it did in Red Hood. Oh, okay. Because it's the Legion. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they're ridiculous. Um, so, like, Bouncing Boy and stuff, like, you don't have to take that seriously. It doesn't have to be edgy and 
you know, like, ugh. so basically you find out that the Legion is broken up and they're trying to get it back together. Some of the people are trying to get back together. So you see like Saturn girl and, um, like, God, everybody's in this book. There's so many, um, uh, Saturn girl, chameleon boy. And, um, Brainiac is Brainiac seven. I want to say, and he no longer has a physical body. Which was kind of a cool move, I think. Yeah. Uh, but basically, this book spends a lot of time cutting around to different, um, different legionnaires all over the place. Uh, so literally, like Colossal Boy is there, and then um, like a Bendis intro book starting his team. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> the dude has great. a formula. Yeah. One, the thing I probably like the most is Triplicate Girl. Uh, one of her triples died so there's only two of her now mm. and they're like they never merge anymore they always stay separate because that's when they feel like they miss her the most when she's definitely gone when's when they can't uh, feel her when they merge yeah it's really sad yeah it and is then um they're like toying with a new name of duo damsel which i thought was pretty great mm. so, and then so block shows up and if you're a legion fan there's a lot of great fan like acknowledgement in this the best part is though the biggest badass in this book is bouncing boy and it's just <laughs> so great he's just hurtling through space just this big fat dude wrecking <laughs> shit and he's all angsty and just being like i'm busy and shit and i'm just like this is incredible like who would, who would have thought of this it's i like, can imagine now. just like being so just like angry and just like a comet just like bumps into him he's like oh yeah i'm a bigger comet <laughs> just like wrecks it it's great and so in the end there's this awesome two-page spread of all the legionnaires that have been gathered and there's so many of them already <laughs> like, and i'm just like i love the legion because part of the reason is because it is just this insane cast of people and it's a lot of fun to deal with um but yeah i just it's so good i can't i can't yeah it's not one of my favorite books or anything like that but there's a certain cheesiness to legion that's just so good so yeah um uh, i recommend it very very good so uh now we have two dc books left and actually i'm gonna change up our order a little bit here i want to go on to suicide squad first okay um this is the one that Josue did buy yeah and um let me get it pulled up here now suicide squad does have a b story for black adam um, that has but, really nothing to do with a Suicide Squad. Yeah, he's just a villain, I guess. Is I guess so. Thought process. So let's talk about the A story and the Suicide Squad. I'll quickly run it down. Um, written by Robbie Thompson. Drawn by Javier Fernandez. Uh, coloring by Alex Sinclair. And lettering by Wes Abbott. So you haven't been picking up too many of the um, the Future State books. No. Uh, what, what do you think about this one? Um, this is the one I was probably most confused by. Uh, just like just the the con- I was just like this wasn't what I expected going into Suicide Squad, especially and like they gave us like this twisted team, and then it just made me think of the Justice League book. But then it wasn't even that either. Um, I did like this though. Like I mean, I did like the who's kind of cosplaying like like the heroes right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
like I, I did like Talon being a Batman. I was like, okay, I, I'll give the, I'll give that rogue a Batman. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, but they also make a point that it's not quite a good fit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh my, oh my god, yeah. Then he literally just goes off the rails, which is kind of like it reminded me of like Bullseye with like with Hawkeye, but just yeah. Anyway, but the, all the other ones like Hypnotic Girl or like <laughs> fucking Clayface as Martian Manhunter is like what? <laughs> okay, I, I, honestly, if anybody could duplicate the power, yeah, would be Clayface. Um, one of the interesting, the most interesting one was like was the most obscure one, and we didn't really get much out of him. Out of him was uh, the the Aquaman one. That that was so fucking scary. I know Fisherman. Um, he used to be a Flash rogue. Oh, okay, and, cool. And he he's a normal looking dude. His face is the alien that took him over the symbiote or the uh, thing they were talking about. Okay, so that he makes- used to be just a just a thief of the gimmick. He was a Flash rogue. Okay. Uh, yeah, no. If I had that thing on my team, I'd be scared as fuck all the time. I I wouldn't want to be want to be on the team. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. It was like, a, yeah. What did really happen in this in this A story? So, it's it, it. Okay. So the problem is, is we had we had suicide Suicide Squad Inception. Because we have a Suicide Squad and then another Suicide Squad going after that Suicide Squad. Yeah. And that was kind of like, it's a lot. Um, But basically, so we have the Justice Squad. And the Justice Squad is basically the Justice League, but dark. And that's what we're talking about when we say Clayface is Martian Manhunter and stuff. Yeah, this team, yeah. Um, Superman is Connor. Okay, yeah. Which is, which was Superboy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the one that's like off and on kind of dark kind of not. Yeah. They, um, they referenced the, the leather jacket and the sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I always loved that look personally, but <laughs> I understand. Uh, so, um, and basically it is still led by Amanda Waller, which I'm like, that's fine. I guess I, I, I have issues with um, Amanda Waller because I think DC has a problem with portraying her. Um, What's the word? Uh, portraying her in a stable way, mm-hmm. in that they don't. She doesn't seem to be the same character every time I see her. I get that. Sometimes she's completely different, and part of that is character, but part of that's also visually. I should make a point because if you watch, say, the first Suicide Squad movie, and then you read a comic with Amanda Waller in the comics, you would be like, "Who's that?" And you'd be like, "That's Amanda Waller," and you'd be like. She's awfully heavy set. We're like, yeah, that's what she's supposed to look like. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, she's the wall. That's her whole thing. And she's a big badass. But then, yeah, whatever. So, anyways, I have issues with Suicide Squad, which will be, <laughs> you'll be finding out about. So, basically, uh, I think this isn't even their Amanda Waller. I think it's an alternate Amanda Waller, is what we what we find out during this. Oh, that's right. Cause then we bring in the, the crime syndicate. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get, yeah. So, they're doing their thing, and it's just a lot of character development between the characters. If the characters that matter to you, uh, you know, read it; it's great. Uh, but then we get, um, we also see not only do we have the Justice Squad, but then we have the Crime Syndicate, who are basically dead. But they're talking about they have a Black Lantern ring, which is not a good thing to have. <laughs> yeah. And how they could possibly bring them back with it. Okay, great. So it's two evil squads. And then we get the actual Suicide Squad at the end, who's there to get Amanda <laughs> Waller. So we literally have 
essentially three suicide squads in this story yeah. and it was half a comic and i know like, like this this it is was how too you much. do a two-parter <laughs> yeah and then we only get one more out of this and it's like that, that that's not enough yeah it was it was just really cramped and mm-hmm. especially because the characters aren't characters that the average person is going to look at and be like oh that's so and so you know what i mean like it's going to be great for like super nerds yeah who are like oh i love that obscure character but it's hard to get across these characters in like 13 14 pages like it's, i don't know especially when there's three teams of them basically <laughs> yeah, and amanda was... waller so um i will say i noticed that the character john cena is gonna be playing the new movie it's front and center of suicide squad at this shot <laughs> yeah um, so normally i would hate that but i actually respect it so um, <laughs> yeah <sighs> but um it was fine i think it'll be better once i get the next issue because we'll actually you know dig into these characters a bit mm-hmm. and i think that'll help out a lot so um now let's talk about uh one of my favorite dc characters black adam oh nice um i love black adam and this actually kind of gave me a um a ship i've pushed for a long fucking time and never heard anyone else talk about and now they kind of confirmed it in a weird backwards way which i always shipped wonder woman with black adam uh, that's an interesting one yeah because she is the warrior and he's a warrior he's a noble warrior and mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he's noble to a fault unfortunately so yeah uh, i always thought that was cool and i liked the i liked it way more than her with superman because i thought they had more in common and stuff but uh in this we find out that black adam is dating wonder woman just not our wonder woman uh so it's just like ah, so close so <laughs> um but yeah um we find out that there's this group that are basically destroying the universe and it's composed of the seven deadly sins as well as uh the lords of chaos uh, oh, yeah. which which are cool uh the the two big ones i want to shout out is vandal savage because vandal savage is awesome and dove because i was a really big hawk and dove fan and yeah, yeah, they, make yeah. the, they make the point that dove dove uh i almost said doug um just some guy named doug um so uh <laughs> dove who was always the symbol of peace is now basically gone evil and now she's like all about the destruction of everything and everything so i want to know that story <laughs> like, <laughs> so um but yeah it's really enjoyable they they wreck superman prime this one was really cool sorry like this like introducing this your man i i was really in, like invested like off the bat and it just sucks that he just gets like destroyed like really quickly but a fortress of solitude at the center of the sun and he rocks a green lantern ring like okay i'm interested in this superman i want to know more all about it and he's like all gold mm-hmm. yeah it's so cool i loved it yeah it was definitely something I was interested in. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, he does get wrecked right away. But they do say that maybe he'll come back, you know, because he's the he's also the Superman that died to Doomsday. So, oh, okay. um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he might reconstitute or something like that. Who knows? Um, but they do throw that out there. But I thought that, I like the look; it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also got like uh, Mogo, Planet Mogo, that just gets wrecked immediately. Like, yeah, basically they just do a really good job of illustrating the threat of these people. And then they're like, there's only one person that can stop them, and it's Black Adam. And they're like, <laughs> he they won't he won't let anybody in his in on planet Kondok, because of course it's a planet now. 
and they're like, Wonder Woman's like, oh, I can go there. And so <laughs> she takes them with him, and he's like, hey, babe, basically, <laughs> like, it's just really funny. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, come on in, guys. Like, they're like, what? And um, basically, you find out he gave up magic a long time ago. He's all about technology. He's all peaceful now. And he shows them this awesome garden. And I really love the fact that you find out that each flower in the garden is a loved one he's lost. Like, mm. that he planted. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, And then, basically, he gets touched by, um, what was it, rage? Wrath, wrath. Wrath touches him. And he's overcome with, like, anger. And he finally becomes Black Adam again. And I love that it makes the point that the power comes from Earth, even though Earth is basically destroyed. Oh it yeah, comes from Earth. The lightning traveling from... all those, all, all that, all those, uh, the distance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, travels all the way, turns into Black Adam. Really cool design with Black Adam too, with a shaved head and stuff. I think it looks yeah. awesome. And he just starts wrecking shit, and then he helps them get away. And as they're about to leave, he's like, "We're gonna die. There's nothing we could do." And they're saved by a new <laughs> blue gold beetle. Yeah. Um. So, question: Gold beetle. Booster Gold, Blue Beetle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm down if that happened 100%. It has to be. <laughs> I love it. Oh, they're like best friends. I mean, it makes sense. It's I mean, future state. Why yeah, not? <laughs> it's future tech. I'm sure they could find a way to like combine their their DNA to make a child. So, Or in traditional Booster Gold fashion, it could just be someone who stole a bunch of technology from other people. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I definitely enjoyed this. I, I, I don't like saying it, but I enjoyed it more than the Suicide Squad part. But I think because it was more ground, or more simple. Yeah, and, I'm not for sure that. But more and focused. Also, and also, I just love Black Adam. I was, I was probably predisposed to really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, what about yourself on that one? Um, I... I want to say about the end of it, once Black Adam showed up, I was definitely just like, I definitely did like that one more over. Yeah. Cause I was like, I'm not big on, on DC. So the first, the whole just, uh, suicide squad, suicide squad part, which is kind of confusing on like, who's supposed to be who now. And like, why I'm supposed to care that that's super cool. I wasn't really there. Uh, but this one, like you said, it was more grounded and more focused on the story. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, perfect. Which leads me to my last DC book. And I saved this for last. Because this is my DC book of the week, people. Cool. Uh, and I recommend, if you have any interest whatsoever, to pick it up. And that is Aquaman. Um, okay, so Aquaman in this story is the son of Black Manta. And um, he looks awesome. Uh, Jackson Hyde, by the way, is his name. And it opens up with, it does one of those things where it jumps ahead in the timeline and then jumps back to the beginning so that it doesn't make sense until the end. <clears throat> but basically Black Manta is teaching um, Aqualass and she hates the name Aqualass. She's like, it's Aquawoman or nothing, basically. Ah, nice. But this is Aquawoman from the Justice League that we uh, we, we were reading. And oh, cool. She's, she's the daughter of Mira and Arthur. And he's trying to train her and she's just not having it she has no interest and she's just goofing off and stuff and she says some really mean shit um basically saying you'll never be aquaman she's like that's the biggest secret no one wants to say to your face she's like everyone knows my dad made a huge mistake and we all have to pretend like he didn't and it's like what so like it's just like 
that's a really good hook. I want to know what happened there. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, her powers, she has the same powers as Aquaman in that she can talk to fish, but she actually controls them. Aquaman oh, okay. has to like convince them to do things. Right. Has to tell them. controls them and she doesn't like it. She doesn't like how it feels to control them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she, her power goes out of control and she feels bad. And then Jackson tucks her aside and they have this like heart to heart where he's just like, you know, you can control the power, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, you know, he's like, what was that? That's that, something just changed. Something feels weird. And she's like, why is the water a different color now? And you're like, okay. And they go up and they like, everything looks different at the surface. They di- dive down. All the animals look different. And you find out that they are in the confluence. And the confluence is where all oceans are connected oh. in every world. Ooh, okay. And so they're literally world hopping from ocean to ocean. And it's cool as hell. Um, at the one point, they visited seven different worlds. And it's pretty funny because she's, uh, she's like, is this world number six? He's like, no, it's seven. You keep forgetting the one with all the talking. She's like, snakes, yes, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're running away from this massive creature that is apparently like the one thing that protects all the oceans. It's the same great beast. And it captures her and, and he's trying to like free her and he's holding onto her leg and he's like, I won't let go and all this. And she summons like a blade of water with her hand and chops her own leg off so that he could get away, which is gangster as hell. Yeah. It's very much an Arthur Curry thing to do. And then it cuts back to the thing at the beginning where it's it's him in prison and he's got like dreads and a beard. He's like looking haggard and he's just like like laughing the guy's like the guy holding prisoners like why are you laughing so much what, what's up with this he's like you don't understand he's like she's coming he's, he's like i know she's coming now she's like um basically like uh she's coming for me she's giving me the power to fight back and then um he punches the bad guy and he, the guy's all panicked he's like is she here jackson aquaman is she here and he points out the window and the fish are spilling out aquawoman lives and Ooh. then and then this is fucking sick ass martial arts movie shot of Aquaman from behind that I have to send to you. This I just love this book so much too. <laughs> like I just love Aquaman. I always did. So like uh, Okay. Yeah, just like basically making his two swords of water and just doing the showdown with the, the League of Ninjas, basically, you know, that kind of look. It's oh so- fuck yeah. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> Yeah, and so she's outside waiting for him, basically. So they're gonna reunite, and she'll be. I think because she's kind of a young girl, it starts. I think this is where, like, the time gap where she becomes Aquaman, the one we see in Justice League. Okay. But yeah, dude, I one hundred percent thoroughly enjoyed this book. Nice. Might be my favorite DC book so far from Future State. Oh no! It's up there with Catwoman. Oh damn! That that one's your contender then. It's yeah, because I just loved it. It was so good. Like, uh, but written by Brandon Thomas, uh, drawn by Daniel Sampier, uh, color. Oh, and Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman two. I forgot about that. That was great. That's my other contender. By the yeah. Way. Um, <laughs> Adriana Lucas colors, Clayton Cowles lettering. So, uh, pretty good week of DC Comics. <laughs> uh, which leads me on to our Marvels. Yes. Um, I only have one book. You don't. And I'll get that out of the way. And that is Marvel number four. 
which okay. is continuing this kind of anthology series of um, stories just kind of set in the Marvel Universe. Some of them are like dreams and stuff. Um, this one, uh, to be frank, it's my least favorite of the stories so far. Okay. Um, I wasn't super interested in a lot of it. Um, we are continuing the story with Doctor Strange being captured by Nightmare and everything. Um, early on, there is an amazing... The the part that's drawn by actual Alex Ross, you know? Yeah. Um, there's an excellent story with Ghost Rider, but <sighs> the original Ghost Rider. Ooh, okay. The cowboy Ghost Rider. Nice, okay. And, and he's fighting Deviants, and it's fucking sick. And I always loved that character. Um, but then it goes into like a Deviant-like world where it's like other versions of these Marvel characters, but they're like Mad Max. And it's, again, that aesthetic never appealed to me. Like you guys know that. So mm-hmm. it, it was just like, okay, this is cool, I guess, but just a lot of mass destruction. It does end cool though, because Silver Surfer's coming. So that's yeah, cool. <laughs> the second part is um, a story about uh, uh, like the strange monsters of the Marvel universe, like Spore and Goom and Moomba. Okay. And it's Dr. Droom is the one who like, <laughs> like is all involved in them and stuff. It's very much a cartoony comic, uh, almost like a mad magazine art style. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's great. And the last one is actually done by, Al- I think it was done by Alex Ross, but not the art. Did he write it? I think, mm. uh, but it's a thing side story. Oh, and, um, actually I have the creative team right here. Um, Oh, yeah, written by Alex Ross, but drawn by Sal Abenanti. And it's done very much like a sketchbook style. And um, it's pretty cool. It's just like, it's it's a story from the perspective of the thing. It's only six pages. so, um, But it's pretty good. Uh, but it didn't have that one really standout story like the other ones have had for me. Right. Um, but for the most part, it was pretty good. Um, if you've bought the other ones, I would definitely buy it, obviously, to you know complete your collection. Because uh, I'm, oh, you shit. know, a psychopath like that. So yeah, no, I definitely want to collect it. Because uh, yeah, from that my psychopath my part of my mind. Uh, I just didn't find it. I'm, I'm definitely gonna be looking out for it now. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So that's my only solo Marvel. Did you have any Marvel that I don't? Uh, yeah. Uh, one, yeah, the King and Black Titan, uh, the Deadpool one, Deadpool ten. Yeah. Um, I said fuck it. I went with it, and then now I'm kind of sad because uh, so this is from the the Kelly Thompson run. Uh, the, that she did with the, the whole yeah, like, uh, the king of the monsters, uh, yeah, the king of Staten Island, formerly known as Staten Island, no, the, the island formerly known as Staten, and he's the king of the monsters. Uh, and it almost feels like kind of like Suicide, suicide Squad or just like almost like a Thunderbolts book because it's just him. And apparently, because he's king and his his knights around his kind of round table are just a bunch of other monsters from the from the MU. And it kind of implies, or kind of, or later on, it does it does show them kiss. So I guess in this run for in Kelly Thompson's world, <laughs> and I kind of see why she's she has a badass in her own right, and she would see him as such. Uh, Wade Wilson is de- is dating Elsa Bloodstone at least in this run, and I thought that was really cute. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so yeah, he's a king of the monsters, and yeah, and he and because it's Deadpool, I guess he just needs to have like an awkward factor. So why would you have? Why would you have? your girlfriend, the monster hunter as part of your team. But I guess she's okay with this as long as that pulls around. Um, it doesn't really have to. It, so it's a king in black tie. And it's really just him having to deal with, he knows what symbiotes are. He's dealt with symbiotes before. 
Um, but this, God, this issue just is kind of like as a symbol of like how you can just like the hows and whys you can fuck up a book by because this is a this this run got canceled and this is the last issue and there's kind of, there are some jokes that Kelly Thompson just like in in, in a perfect Deadpool way and fashion uh, she kind of lets out like lets loose and is able to kind of like jab that there were like what we say about Loki there were some things set up like there were some yeah. there's some priests there's there's some priests like this cult that he that he took over as, as part of this other issues uh, as part of this other storyline and there was this prophecy about a certain doom for Deadpool that he would fall from a different king of monsters but is it kind of a play on this and so this just happened with King and Black so they had to put it as a tie-in but then they there's this whole joke where like there were just these like crazy like religious conspiracists uh, conspiracy people that then they got they just got the date wrong that it wasn't really this event that he was going to go down for uh but so there's really no proper ending on like him ever really facing noel because uh, really the whole plot is i'm trying to get the symbiote off of land shark it's like a little puppy shark it's really fucking cute and so he gets possessed by symbiotes and they're just trying to get off of him because he's just like really attacking he becomes like a big ass shark uh but in the end there's this whole speech by deadpool on like this is kind of like what happens but for like certain payoffs that don't end up flourishing. And now we kind of cross over. It's really him like about to be swallowed by this maw. And it's kind of like the fall at being canceled and we, how we can't continue and we can't flourish all these other stories that they wanted to say very much breaking the fourth wall. Um, and, but yeah, and it has, and they have their own little cute ending on just like kind of wrapping up the story and kind of see where it goes from here. It literally ends with uh, next uh, someone else will probably do a new, a new Deadpool book question mark so yeah um it was kind of I fun kelly. i love kelly's sense of humor That's yeah what no, I'll it, say about it was very much that like so if you funny just want... when we interviewed her like <laughs> oh i know she's hilarious if we want to have like at least one more kelly kelly book i mean we'll probably get more kelly books but having to do with uh, king of black at least get this one because it's very much her kind of talking shit that her book that she really kind of wanted got canceled and question. just ha- yeah was Jeff the shark made into a symbiote? Yeah, Jeff the land shark. Yes. Yeah. I hate this book. <laughs> <laughs> he is the cutest thing on ex- in existence. He deserves his own book. I hope that's why she's leaving Deadpool so she has time to do this. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. But that's that's really what becomes a whole focal point about the book. It's not really about going out and saving the city. It's not really about going like he mentions that he's like, well, now that this is done, I can go face this king in black. He never really faces Noel. It's really all about trying to get the symbiote off of Jeff. Um, so, it, huh, yeah, I oh, know for sure. Oh, and okay, it, good, then I, it does I have a cute wrong. ending. So, you should, so you, you should definitely get it for for if you lo- if you love Jeff and for love of, of Kelly Kelly Thompson's uh, writing, and then just, it's really her. It's her talking shit that her book had to get canceled on a tie-in. That, that, that's the way I put it. Where like she probably could have said more. Or had to, or probably could have ended it better on her terms, but she just had to fucking end it on a t- on a stupid tie-in, and, it, and you can kind of see how he, sh- her letting this on it. So definitely try nice. to th- think about this one. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Um, that leads us over to our shared Marvel books. Yes. Okay. So we have a lot this week. And I am going to go ahead and just pick this up. And let's start with the final issue of Werewolf by Night. Okay. 
Uh, so this is Werewolf by Night, number four. This was a planned mini, so it wasn't canceled in case anyone's panicking. <laughs> right. Um, and obviously published by Marvel. Uh, written by B. Earl and our boy Taboo, by far the best member of the Black Eyed Peas. Absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> and for the record, I thought that before this book. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Dude, that was just facts. Yeah, that's just this is how it works. Um, so, art is by Scott Eaton, and inking by Scott Hanna, coloring by Miroslav Merva, and letters by Joe Sabino. So. I'm glad this is the last issue so we can wrap up like the story and we can talk about it as a whole as we kind of do once a, once it's over. Um, obviously, Werewolf by Night is a native hero um, set in the Southwest, where we're both from. Yes. And uh, I think... I love that Marvel's making a, making a push for indigenous characters. Yeah. We talked about that a bit. How great it is that they're really doing that and everybody's, you know... Um, like they're they're doing a whole ongoing series right now to to point it out. So, um, so yeah, I really enjoy that that's there, and I think this is the first of the big push for that as far as new series. Not not the Indigenous Voices book, mm-hmm. but it's right. bringing characters into this world and making them matter. And I think this is a really great first shot across the bow, if you will. Um, so in in summation, I I enjoyed this arc quite a bit. And I think one thing you said in the first, when we reviewed the first issue was you hope that he sticks around and maybe joins like the champions or something. Cause he's like their age and yeah. like he, he'll matter in incoming or not incoming in uh, outlawed and everything like that. Right. And yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of awesome characters that are, that are created in this story too, that aren't the main character. There's like, there's a, there's a bunch of lore here. That a well, I mean, lot of people can do something with. Yeah, especially Red Wolf, like as like the yes. mentor, where like he's not really like the supernatural aspect about this, but as a mentor to teach him, like to where we get more of the lore and actually just like give us some like teaching lessons on like tribes and like like lessons that we can actually learn from that books like that books that fucking school weren't like I didn't have the balls to actually teach us from like the actual real history. Uh, but we get that part of the lore, and we can actually have him teach a teach uh fucking Jake how to be a badass and teach him how to fight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one thing I will say is uh, this book made me hungry because the very first thing we did was talk about flatbread and, you know, <laughs> or fry bread. And I'm like, oh, I want fry bread. That fry bread, that sounds really good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can't go to, to like any kind of festivals or anything right now because of the world's on fire. And I'm like, yeah. damn you. <laughs> like Now I'm just thinking about fry bread, um, which off the top, off the top um, since you don't live in the Southwest anymore, do you miss stuff like fry bread? Do you guys get that up there at all? Um, fry bread? Yeah. I, honestly, I think the the thing I miss the most is literally just like simple carne asada tacos. Like, oh. like literally, like, like on the the little um the tortilla de harina, the, the flour tortilla, mm-hmm. and carne asada, and act, and think, thank you. You're white, and you actually know. You know, you said it before I did. Fucking <laughs> ooh, cabbage. Oh, especially if you can get the cabbage pickled. Ooh, ooh. dude, like it's like it's like <laughs> anywhere else that's not the Southwest. Uh, I mean, in California they kind of slip because like, I guess it's cheaper. But anywhere else, it just sucks because they just give it to you in the in the corn tortilla just because yeah. the aesthetic. The fucking carne asada, which is debated, like it's it's it's, it's whatever. But because again, the aesthetics instead of cabbage, 
they go with well, they go with fucking cilantro as a go to, and it's oh. not right. Or and fucking onions, right. and at that point, it's like it's it's you get picky at that point with like toppings, but it's cabbage. Oh, yeah. It's fucking cabbage, and I miss that. <laughs> it doesn't have a flavor. It's there for texture. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no cabbage. I like cabbage. A little bit of onion. I like a nice thin salsa on my carne asada. Nothing yeah, too thick. I wanted, yeah. I wanted like a sauce, you know. The the so, okay, the, the perfect one is is the spicy um uh, guacamole. Oh, I don't I don't do guacamole. Ooh, I don't do avocado. So oh, man. There's okay. a thing behind that. We won't talk about it. On okay. That. So, <laughs> yeah, but, that's, um, that's what I miss the most. is like a simple, uh, just a simple carne asada taco. Like nothing fancy, just a simple. <laughs> when you come visit, I got to take you to a place. Please. It's it's called uh, um, Tacos Chihuahuas. And, oh, okay, good. Um, it's just, a, it's like a, it started off as a taco truck, but they bought a restaurant and the restaurant nice. has a smoker in it. So they just started smoking their carne asada. I love it. And it's so good, dude. It's I'm already just, biased because of the team name. If you were to say like America, I was like, oh, maybe. No, I, I loved it. It's my favorite. It's easily the best carne asada I've ever had. I love Whoa. it. I go there all the time. It's so this good. And I've been to Yuma Taco Fest six <laughs> years in a row, and this is by far the best. So, anyways, moving on. It's like, uh, where thanks, am I? This is a food podcast? Thanks, Tabu. You got where was that? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, also, I, I really dig the character they built with him. I think this is something we've talked about in the past. Yeah. Uh, that they built with Jake is that he he is a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like, like again, the very first line is when he mentions the fry bread, where he says, if I had headaches so bad, you wish you could take your brain out and eat it like some fry bread dough. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> and then like, I like the, uh, my veins pulse like a crappy EDM track. And I'm like, yes, that is such a great description. <laughs> that was taboo's line for sure. Had to be. Yeah, totally. So, um, and then they have the little discussion about metal albums later and everything. Like there's just a lot of little touches in this book yeah. that I really quite enjoy. Um, I do hope this is setting up something bigger. It seems like it is. I hope so too, because I mean, like, if anything, like, they went all out on this last book too. Like, there's a lot of great panels in this, like, in, in this book. Like, when he's like in the capsule and he's like, and he's kind of like monologuing in his head. Like, there's and he's like in werewolf form. He looks so fucking badass. And then the other one where he, when he finally gets out and he's and he's res- he's gonna rescue his grandma. Like with the, him standing in front of like the or like, while it's draining, I'm just waiting for her. That it's a it's such a cute moment. It's like instead of just being like the hot damsel in distress and he saves her, it's like it's such a tender moment between him and his like and his grandma. But he's like in wolf form and it, just, it looks really badass. Yeah, and it then gave the, me gave me oh, Spider Man vibes. Yes, from Sam and Aunt May. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. And then the money shot, like the middle. Like open like a I'm double page spread. Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Or even so still, good. like, and then even like, not even just him. It was kind of twisted when the brain comes out of the the robot chick. Yeah, that was crazy. That was some that was weird. Shit. And I was I had to look at it again. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that kind of just went into a little horror mode. But I loved it. And yeah, no, they went all on this book. And I really hope that Jake like actually ends up staying because I, I did love him as a character. And please, like Marvel, like what are you doing by just like constantly just forgetting or not using werewolf by night like you have a werewolf use him he's all it's awesome it's a great concept i still really want them to bring back midnight suns and include him just all the horror themed characters that'd be great writers things like that that would just be so good um yeah damon hellstrom just (laughs) right for sure so uh but yeah i really enjoyed this book I i enjoyed the entire run it's totally worth a pickup if you see the um, trade. Even though I got every issue, I might pick up the trade because I bet it's gonna. Because it's only four issues. When you have a four issue trade, there's usually something cool in there with it, you know. Oh, for sure. Like, there's like actually a flashback issue or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also so. helps the sales to let Marvel know that continue the shit. Yeah, that we want more of it. So. Yep. Um, so moving on from that one to another final issue, and I'm losing another one of my favorite books. Ah. Uh. And that is Shang Chi number five. Once again, yeah. planned. <laughs> it, it was a planned mini, not canceled. And honestly, there's already a sequel planned for this. So, but different creative team. Uh, so, this is going to break up one of my favorite creative teams in comics right now. Uh, uh, so, I'm going to yeah. give them credit. Uh, Gene Lewin Yang, who I mentioned earlier is the writer. Uh, Dyke Ruan drawing. And think about this we don't have a book with him anymore. I know, that's so sad now. Both of his books ended this month. He better do something soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and then Philip Tan doing some additional art for the back of the flashbacks. Mm. Uh, Sebastian Chang doing the coloring. And Travis Lanham doing the lettering. So, um, I mean, I love the book. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really have to explain that, I'm sure. Uh, but I've been reading this, and I know you were buying them, but hadn't quite caught up had never really gave us your opinion on them yeah so i wanted to go over to you first and see what you think this shit was so much fun like from the get-go like this the story like i, I like shang chi just being like what, what what was he working in it was like a flower or the was he a barista or is like a bookshop it was a chinese restaurant he was, he oh, was okay. wrapping up the bow i think oh that's right that's right it was just a restaurant but i like like how sweet he is how gentle he is and it's like but we all know how like how much of a badass he is yeah. uh and then he's like, not to just get like sucked into this world and just have like his whole, well, his whole origins gets rewritten, right? In a way, uh, kind of, yeah. Kind of? It gets it gets retconned is the word I would use. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, and but in a way where honestly, it it worked. Like Takeshi and Esme, great fucking characters. Like actually, I, was like, say, I bet you love Sister Dagger, didn't you? Dude, she was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> takes no shit from anybody like in kind of in a hit girl way but like not as vulgar just way more of a badass uh no it's like it, it was awesome and I, and I love like her constantly checking Takeshi but Takeshi just being like just chill out bro <laughs> <laughs> don't take everything so serious but it's like it's because I have to take everything so serious is why sometimes we're both alive but it's like it's her whole attitude and it's like no it was that, that dynamic was really cool that's um, what I really wanted from Iron Fist and the Immortal Weapons I wanted a book like this for them Oh, okay. Where they interacted like that. And Fat Crobo would obviously be Takeshi. You know? <laughs> and like where they could just, you know, beat up a bunch of nameless goons and talk to each other the entire time. That's all I really wanted from Iron Fist. So I'm really happy to get this from, you know, for Chang Chi, who I really like almost as much as Iron Fist, which says a lot because Iron Fist is one of my three favorite heroes, period. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, I know the concept of like the five houses or like like is like hand was like yeah you said dagger what are the other ones hammer uh saber, saber. and staff oh that, yeah that's right that's right yeah um but yeah the concept of like the there were there are five siblings but they each get what they got separated so they can just like master those sides and, and you can just get this twisted par- like, tale on like parenting like the dad is still a piece of shit uh but then like the backstory is like the origins of like the other the other siblings and just i don't know them coming together was i don't know it just it was a cool story and like you said like this being a, like a an all asian cast the team to, to making this book and you just tell that there was so much love put in, put into this book like mm-hmm. by the end of this like i was like my it's like not, not even a spoiler but just a quick review of like 
Shang-Chi just like literally just comes off as a fucking dragon. Like his his suit, like the red and like the gold on the on the braces, it's just yeah. really cool. He's and the way and just because he fights and it's like yeah, chi- a Chinese tale, but he's literally like that a fucking Lucane dragon, but just like in his own way, it's 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 really fucking cool. The like the way he just comes off on the page. Yeah, I love the character designs quite a bit. Yeah. Um. Without spoiling, I will say one thing I like is. What Shang Chi does at the end? Oh my god, such a badass with, moment, dude! Okay, if you don't want to spoil it, no, we won't. But it's it's. Re- I even it's, said, well, I was it's like, a two part thing. Even like, I'll say this. So you think he solved the problem? Mm-hmm. And he didn't. His sister is still upset. Yeah, and that hit me emotionally because I was like, yeah, it's not that easy. You can't just wave a magic wand and make years of abuse go away and i thought that was really cool and then a page later he does what we're talking about and it was so badass (laughs) and it just throws you off you know what i mean like yes and just like i i I don't even imagine how she would i would have reacted if i was her so no honestly it it really takes you back it's like it is like a holy shit moment and it's not even like a page turn surprise you can kind of spoil it for yourself if you kind of if your eyes wander so i actually appreciated that it was kind of set up like this way because it's still it it still took me aback and it's like it still it goes down as one of the baddest moments in comics so good and um one thing i wanted to point out about this book and i wanted to see what you thought of this um i absolutely love the backgrounds but not the landscapes or the items in the background i love the coloration of the background yes when there's almost nothing there yeah but it's it's like gorgeous like the the stars when they do stars when there's like explosions in the background when there's when like when they're fighting on the street and there's no background but you can tell there's like a fire back there and stuff it's done so subtly or like at the end where she jumps over the when you know he stops it and then she jumps over the bridge, like the way the water looks, like just yes. little stuff like that is gorgeous. It's just I, that's one of the things that blew me away about this book when I first read it was I'm like the little touches are so great. So. Yeah, no, it's definitely the the, the lighting, the, the the way lighting is used. Like there's a part I was, I was, I was flipping through it as well. There's a part where it looks like very smoky in the back, so you can kind of tell like there's just like where buildings would be, and there's not there's not a lot of windows being used. But the ones that are there are just like perfectly illuminating the smoke and it almost just like captures like the rest of the lighting. It's really good. Yeah, that's the thing that impressed me the most about it, uh, because that's the kind of stuff you don't think about. Mm-hmm. So when you do think about it and you think about how great it is, it really calls attention to it. So, yeah, I just love that. But this book, I highly recommend it, especially because we have a movie coming out. Yes. But like this is going to I think that's one of the reasons they did the the retconning they did. It's to kind of align it with where they're going to go with the movie. Um, so if you're interested in the movie, uh, definitely check this out. I will say, I hope we see his ex-girlfriend and his current love interest both come back. Because <laughs> I really like Delilah, the lawyer chick. Yeah, yeah. And I liked his ex-girlfriend, the FBI agent. I think that's really cool. So, um, But yeah, I loved it. And I should point out, I got the Scotty Young cover, which is just excellent. <laughs> oh, nice. So, yeah. So that's the end of another one of my favorite series. Um, this was really good. Like, I, I, I'm glad I was like, I'm glad I was buying it. It's like I should have been reading it from like the get go in the end. Yeah. All right, now we're getting to the good stuff. Uh, Namor, number three, King of Black oh, Time, shit. written by Kurt Busiek, just Kurt Busiek, just the legend in comics. <laughs> you know? uh, artist Benjamin Dewey, 
Uh, and then additional art for the modern art by Jonas Scharf, which, by the way, I love the art in this book, but that present-day art, that's oh, my favorite dude. Namor. That dark I, Namor, that almost vampire Namor. Oh, yes. Dude, so yes. good. Like, I think I it's the it. sleeves. Like, just, just sleeves are cool. <laughs> I like his face. His face is really No, dark. the armor. No, for sure it's the face, but I just like, <laughs> but the fact that he's just yeah. rocking sleeves and just like over the armor. It's like, I, I really like the, the design. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, of course, uh, Triana Farrell is the uh, colorist and Joe Caramagna is the letterer. Uh, so the thing with this book is it still hasn't told us outright <laughs> the King of Black tie-in, and I'm getting anxiety waiting for it to come. <laughs> like, but you I'm, have I'm, to assuming, trust I'm assuming Kirby there's sick. a giant symbiote at the bottom of the ocean that are turning <laughs> people. Um, and I can't wait. And they keep referencing it as like, oh, and the King of Black. I'm like, just tell me. <laughs> so, but but I'm re- I, re- I really like this one. Um, uh, based on his age and everything, this is probably the first time that Namor had to go like full badass Namor mode, which was really cool. Yeah. Hmm. I like the stu- stuff with Atuma too. Because Atuma really is his arch nemesis. Yeah, it's kind of the origins for this, or it's like a, a, a part of it. Yeah, I like the tragedy of it where they actually start off as you know, allies and mm-hmm. work together and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it was really cool. And, um, the dark tide is just awesome. Like <laughs> I know they're the bad guys, but they just look so dope. So, um, but yeah, uh, I, the one thing with this is again, I think this is going to be something we're going to touch on more once the series is over. Right. We're missing like a two big pieces to kind of really try to elaborate more on the, on this story in particular, but it's like, as, yeah, it's one of the, the furthest things as a tie-in to King and Black, but it's like we just have to t- trust Kurt Busiek. Which, of course, we will. because it's Oh, no, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really dig it, and um, it's definitely one of my favorite King and Black tie-ins, except for maybe Black Cat, probably. Okay. Um, so... Also, as far as like those parallels that we tend to do, it wasn't so much. Well, I guess he is a mutant, but that that it kind of reminded me of a uh, Julian scene that we just read when and then Namor just like yes. blasting off right here. Yeah, we do have a lot of tie-ins. That's funny. <laughs> like, and he just doesn't sleep for three days, and they catch yeah. food as they go past and eat it while they go past. Like, it's just <laughs> brutal. Um. Okay. Next. Okay. Here's the thing. I tend to like save the really dramatic books for the end. Except yeah. for X-Men, of course. They're always right. last. But I can't decide which one of these was more dramatic, so we're going to go with Daredevil first. Um, yeah, I might as well just finish all the King and Black tie-ins. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Daredevil 26. Um, and spoilers, this is King and Black tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, obviously written by Chip Zarsky. Drawn by Marco Cicchetto and Mike Hawthorne. Inked by Adriano de Benedetto. There we go. Uh, colored by Marcio Meniz. And lettered by Clayton Cowles. Um, so, as a quick update, um, Daredevil's in jail. Matt Murdock as Daredevil is in jail. Yes. Can't take his mask off because then people will know who he is. Um, so, Electra has taken over as Daredevil, and she's fucking awesome. She's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, her costume is the coolest. Like, ah, oh, it's just so great. And she's doing the Daredevil thing. And uh, also, we get to see Typhoid Mary is like the head of Kingpin security now. I love which, how she did her which, hair. I know, me too. I love it. It's just such a great thing. And we see a Null Dragon attack, and she defends the Kingpin, and she ends up getting infected, which is terrifying, by the way. 
it's weird how much like she looks like she just feels abandoned or they, they kind of did but it was just like that's when i get scared at the most like you don't do you don't do shit like that to typhoid mary <laughs> you just you talk to typhoid mary you let things like let her know even though she doesn't tend to listen to you at all but god damn it, i'm so scared of her now it's like being all symbioted out yeah so we cut to the the prison and some symbiote gets in the prison and Matt's like, I can help. Please let me out, basically. <laughs> and um, we get this really cool story with Electra uh, trying to save this girl from her mom's a symbiote now. Oof. Really cool. And it, it's her struggling with w- the way she would handle things versus the way that Matt handles things normally. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then she gets confronted by symbiote Typhoid Mary. And... Uh, that alone was an amazing final shot. Oh no, for sure. Also, did I? I really like like that a lot too. Uh, it's uh, Electra, Daredevil Electra. She's still rocking the size, but they're like they're they're cut off, like they're blunt, like there would yes. be like the Billy clubs instead of just like super sharp and pokey. Yeah, I like that she's taking this seriously. Yeah. So that could have been the end of the issue, of the issue as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> then we go back to the prison, and Matt's punching symbiotes because he's stupid. And apparently has never had a conversation with Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets infected. And Jesus Christ. Oh my god. <laughs> he becomes basically symbiote Daredevil with big ass devil horns. It's so awesome. Spiked shoulders. He just looks sick as hell. I just I I love it. I absolutely love it. So <laughs> now can I just say something? Like it's we're giddy about all these moments. All of this was literally my least favorite part about this book. Really? It's honestly, it was almost like it sucked that, that this had to be a tie in issue. It is like, cause like so many great things are are happening with Daredevil. We love Daredevil. Yeah, that's true. Remy book of the year uh, for Marvel. But uh, two years in a row, two years in a row. (laughs) Um, So all that being said, it's just like, I love that Chip Zdarsky has been like keeping it super grounded and just keeping it focused to just like Hell's Kitchen and like the the street heroes. And this is like the first time he's really had to like go into supernatural stuff or get into like the mythos of the MU and where it just gets crazy. This point being here are the symbiotes and I, I just had had to deal with it. Everything's all awesome, but go back to the grounded stuff. Like the dialogue between him and the inmate where he's just like, dude, you still have oh, your fucking white privilege here. Like that's basically him saying that you still have your white privilege here because you get to wear your mask. That, mwah, give me more of that. Uh, fucking Matt at night being like, I spent so many fucking years trying to soundproof my bedroom just so I can sleep. And now I'm in this, and now I hear everything. I'm hearing like, like sleep confessions. Like, mwah, give me more of that shit. Like that, like, Again, like the chip, like again, it's like Chip Zdarsky's like serious part of like this book had to be kind of put on pause because a lot of material had to be talked about the the tie-in. But I but I get it. Like if if, if King of Black came and went and Daredevil wasn't touched up on on it, like I would have been like, what the fuck? And I'm looking at Nick Spencer right now for uh, on Spider Man <laughs> specifically. Fuck it, he's writing Spider Man. There's no actual Spider Man tie-in to this shit right now. But anyway. But but it is but it is really cool. I'm just saying it's like out of all the interesting bits about this book, it was just like all the symbiote stuff in King Black was like was at the bottom because I was like I was just loving everything around like that was happening. Yeah. So it's like I, like I, it's like I didn't want this book to stop, you know. Like I just I wanted more from like from all the sides. So but it's just starting out. We, we will get another issue. But it was just that was, that was just me. Just like I just loved everything else. 
I uh, the thing I liked it about about it being a tie-in is the fact that it is a prison. And, yeah. Yeah. No one thinks about what happens to the prison when something like this happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no one thinks about the prisoners. Like well, shit, we better get out of here. What about these guys? <laughs> Fuck them. You know, like they're gonna get infected. It doesn't really matter. They're they're prisoners. You know, and I think that's interesting to to bring to light. So yeah. yeah. Like if anything, this kind of became like one of my favorite tie-ins for King and Black. And it wasn't then like King of Black stuff wasn't my favorite bits. Give me another issue first. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. I think it's gonna be, but I want to see. I want to see this typhoid Mary fight. Mm-hmm. Oh no, for sure. Oh my god, <laughs> so, yes. All right, so we'll move on to our other emotionally draining book, <sighs> Strange Academy number seven. Oh my god, Strange Academy is one of the best comics out there right now, guys. Absolutely, it's fucking good. Uh, written by Scotty Young, drawn by the wonderful Humberto Ramos. Colored by Edgar Delgado and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Um, so as we left off, um, Emily was dying and Doyle Dormammu has already died. And we get we see Emily dreaming about kissing Doyle. And then she bursts into flames. And then we come back and she's, she's actually being taken care of. She's being healed. And um, basically, you find out that she had a web of like magical energy in her that needed to get out, or she was basically going to burst. Is what's going on. Um, and we find out that yes, Doyle is dead, and yeah. Emily's very upset, and it's just super emotional. She wants to see his face, and they're like, "No, no, you no, you don't need to see it and stuff." And um. Then we cut back to immediately after the situation and we see everybody and like basically like Strange is like, I'm going to save Emily and my boy Dr. Voodoo's like, what about Doyle? And he's like, it's too late for him. And Voodoo's like, I can go, we can go see Dormammu and get, you know, his flame. He can bring Doyle back. And he's just like, hmm. I, I honestly, I don't think anyone was wrong in this decision. They both. Not really, no. Where he said basically, like, I'm not willing to risk this girl's life on the could or could not of Dormammu. Basically, I'm like, good point. And then Jericho, Dr. Voodoo's like, I'll do it, basically, what, what has to be done. So we see a great touch of, basically, Dr. Strange, Surgeon Supreme. Rest in peace, comic. You were great. Sorry you got canceled. Um, and he basically goes in to save her. And he has, he has to basically ask Hogoth for a favor which is the ancient magic tiger god, and you find out that he already has favors from them, and he's kind of drawing against his credit a bit. So, mm-hmm. A great um, double-spread page, by the way. Oh, it's wonderful. It's The coloring is incredible. Yeah. So. But basically, when they end up saving Emily, we cut back to the present, and Emily tries to go get to Dormammu too, by the way, uh, which is kind of cool. And anyway, so she's finally come to grips with the fact he's dead, she pulls back the cover, and his dead little body there made me so fucking sad, Hosway. Dude, yeah. I was like, Doyle? <laughs> He's like the best <laughs> character in this book. And she's crying, and he never got to kiss her, and so she leans in and kisses him on the forehead. And a fire starts from where she kissed him. And he bursts into flame and gets up and hugs her. And awesome. holy fucking shit, dude. <laughs> like... <laughs> Where is this going? Obviously, it seems like she's the one. Yeah. And what did she do to bring him back when she went to see Dormammu? Did he actually give her the power to do that? That's what I'm thinking, maybe. Um, yeah. So good. And then, of course, Strange Academy does us the benefit of 
after all that emotion, give us yet another joke page at the end where we get to see all the demerits and almost all of them are Irik. <laughs> Particularly with Matt, with Wanda, I feel yeah. like that's like a, the, the teacher crush. Yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> just ridiculous. I love this book. I hope it goes on forever. I don't care. Especially because Doctor Strange Surgeon Supreme was canceled. So Yeah, no, I mean, for, for an Academy book, it deserves to be an ongoing. Yeah, definitely. All right, X-Men. Let's, Let's do it. The X-Men group. We got four books, guys, and we're going to try to be quick because we're heading two hours soon. Uh, Wolverine number nine. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I always like to start with the solo books if I can. Uh, so Wolverine's written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Adam Kubert, which you can tell hmm. because Adam Kubert has a very specific style, and I love it. Uh, Frank Martin's the colorist, Corey Petit as the letterer and production. Um Basically, Wolverine is in this black market auction for criminals, and it's a bunch of random shit, like the cyanide tooth of Black Widow and, you know, a goblin glider, things like that. The Gravestone of Spider-Man, which I loved, by the way. Yeah. Um, and then you find out one of the things is the severed hand of Wolverine. And I love Wolverine being like, wait, when did that happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't remember losing a hand. <laughs> like so. But then the big market thing is... And I just love that they're bringing him back because he's one of my yes. favorite characters. It's Maverick. Dude, fuck yeah. Who's a member of Team X with Wolverine. And uh, basically they have him completely mind wiped. And Wolverine's like, fuck this. Like, we need to get him out of here. And then uh, basically someone finds out that Wolverine is Wolverine because his whole costume is an eye patch. <laughs> so, <laughs> like his disguise. So, so disguise. So um, <laughs> basically he attacks and the dude's like, well, I have the magnetic gloves. So I got you basically. And he's like, I'll sell Wolverine now. <laughs> and he says the little thing that him and Maverick used to tell each other to keep their memory back in team X, which is yeah. today is a victory over yourself of yesterday. And then Maverick grabs the guy and puts a gun to his head and says, I don't know who you are, but we're getting the fuck out of here. And I'm like, fuck yes. That's my boy. <laughs> and I, I love the I love the info page at the end. Maverick is the best kind of bastard. Mm. The best kind of bastard is worth having around, but only if there's beer to be drank or bullets to be dodged. You can't trust him with your wife, but you can trust him with your life. <laughs> long as you're playing for the same team, that is. long as you're dodging the same bullets. But like every pretty boy... You know, literally cares about one person, and that's numero uno. Fuck yes. Dude, <laughs> like, I've met this guy at, at LARPing. Like, I know who this guy is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved this book, though. Lots, lots of really cool little references to the I think one of them, I was trying to think about it, and I was just like, I for sure want to give credit to, to Andy Books. Uh, but I want to say that I think my panel of the week is in this book. Like, there's so many beautiful pages that we already talked about. But when he gets patted down, and you can just see how short he is compared to those two guys, yeah. that's what I love. Because like, some you want people want to make Wolverine like a badass, so they make him taller than he really is. He's five three, five two on a good day, and you can definitely see it like on this panel. I just it made me crack up so hard. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a child that I. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, so we're gonna move on quickly because again we have four of these. Yeah. Um, New Mutants. Okay. New Mutants number 15. Uh, this is continuing the new arc of the New Mutants are training the young mutants, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, written by someone who's killing it, Vita Ayala. Yep. Killing it. <laughs> Rod Reese is the artist. Travis Lanham lettering. 
And uh, I'm just adoring this book. And we're finding out a lot about... So basically we know the Shadow King is like working with some of the kids and probably should not be. There's something going on there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. We're in Krakoa. <laughs> yeah. But so we get, we get a bunch of the kids, including... Uh, uh, Co- is it Cosmo? Cosmar. Cosmar, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the new character they just recruited from uh, Russia who can warp reality, basically. Oh man, what she does to Anole, like in the in the first fight, the way he just yeah. distorts. This feels weird. Like, dude, you just tell like, this, she could just be really fucking crazy. Like, fi- I'm fighting yeah. her. I'm glad it's in this book too because the art style lends it to just being insane. Yes. So I love it. Um, also, we get a really cool side story of Scout. For those who don't remember, oh, Scout man. is the x23 clone that hasn't grown up yet so she's like a little girl yeah and she's like bothering her big brother docking while he's hitting on aurora and stuff (laughs) broke my heart she's so adorable by the way like i almost want to have a child so my child can cosplay as scout (laughs) (laughs) it's just cute and scout's just trying to find her place you know and we get to see i know something that host loves being a my hero fan we get to see all these mutants learning combinations of powers dude fuck yeah like rainbow and shark girl using like a caro haradon cyclone basically a water cyclone to shoot shark girl at somebody which yeah. is cool and then uh tempest setting armor on fire to make fire armor <laughs> just great. Awesome. and then uh cosmar and anale doing the nightmare evolution where she makes him look insane and scout and sprite trying to do a fastball special (laughs) go the other way (laughs) it's just fun i love watching them train and have fun and stuff yeah and um it also ties in the uh the story with wolfsbane and her kid um so this isn't talked about a lot about wolfsbane but she did have a wolf child basically yeah it was during x factor okay and the kid's dead, but they again X Factor has to prove it first. So she wants to, she wants to bring him back, and um, so th- we're going to be going that direction, I think, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Then we go to the wedding, the actual wedding, offic- official wedding reception of Cipher and Bay the Blood Moon, <laughs> and uh, lots of fun stuff happens there, including Scout looking for Dokken again. Oh uh, no, that broke my heart. <laughs> the the fun part was uh, uh, Ileana giving her her last noogie to Doug. Yeah. <laughs> And then she's like, uh, she tries to do it to Bay, and Bae, she's like, nope, not a no good person. All right, cool. <laughs> like, and then we get the saddest thing, which Cosmar goes up to Mirage and is basically like, Ooh. I have great respect for you and your control of your powers. I'd like to face you in the Crucible because she can't change her body back. Yeah. So if she dies, she can come back looking normal. Yeah. And, and Danny has to tell her, no. I can't do that. That's not how this works. Yeah. You know, you're perfect the way you are. And Cosmar runs away crying. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's, like, it's really sad. And you find out that that's probably something to do with the Shadow King. Like, maybe he's trying to, like, drive a wedge there. And that's a way to do it. So. I mean, I guess you're right, too. Because, like, the, the panel really does change. And I get that she's supposed to be, like, distraught on, like, it wasn't the, the answer she was hoping for. But it does take like a different artistic approach, like when you get that double face from from him, like when he's talking yeah. to them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you're right, and especially that it's all because him like influencing it, like with his mutant power. So I, I, it could be like that triggering there, yeah. And he has a he has a past with Mirage. 
I mean, it, oh, okay, that, that too. I, I just thought it was like, because the, the powers are just like the, mo the most similar. I feel like that's why she kind of went to her for that. I was like, oh, the, the, I get the pairing, but it's like, I knew the no was coming. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. And it was, honestly, it made me like, I, I had to like flip the last page like three times. It's like, it's such a dour moment, but then we're supposed to be left off on such a good note. And it, it is it is a good note, but it's just like, God, it wasn't even, it was I couldn't even fully feel it because like this last scene was just so sad. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, oh, it also ends with him fucking saying the last line too. So I, I fucking, I think so. It has to. Yeah. Uh, that's always been his MO, is turning people against other people. So. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to X-Men number 17. Oh, shit. Of course, you, of course, you of course, of course. <laughs> um, X-Men number 17, written by Jonathan Hickman, of course, but drawn for the first time in a long time Oh man, Brett Booth. And good God, did I miss Brett Booth drawing the X-Men. I thought this was like a flashback issue for like half of the issue. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Brett, style. I love his style. It's like that 90s style, but under control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not like, you know, a certain Rob Layfield who looks insane. <laughs> um it's like that but yeah with a little tact i guess is the w word i would use so and the only reason before we get into like the story and like i'm um, going yeah. spoilers here and there is the only reason why i thought it was, it was a flashback is because uh cyclops is rocking a new suit so i thought costume, that's yeah. that's that's why but that's if too. this is the new cyclops costume i fucking love it yeah dope. i am dope. so over the scuba the scuba suit outfit that's so plain nothing on it this looks awesome i like him in white Usually his accent's color is yellow because of his uh, or red. The visor. The visor. I like, I, that like that's it, I like the white. Yeah. Yeah. The white. The white's good, but I like that the at least minimal yellow was a good yeah. touch. Yeah, it makes it stand out. Yeah. Um, and uh, rest of the creative team, real quick. Uh, a a Dussel or a Corona in green inking, uh, Sunny Go coloring and Clinton Cowles' lettering. So I think this is the stuff we're doing until we get the new X Men. Uh, I think it's safe to assume. These three are probably in the X Men roster, which is Storm, Jean, Cyclops, Jean. and Storm. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I don't think any of them are in other teams. Oh, Storm is in the Marauders, but other than that, I think we're good. So, um, but yeah, basically, we get a really cool Shiar story. Which, once again, Brett Booth is drawing it, and I love it because I love the way he draws the Shiar, especially Deathbird. She looks dope. Oh, totally. And so, basically, the new Empress chick is kidnapped by some religious zealots who want to sacrifice her because she's rich. She's Marie Antoinette, basically. <laughs> um, and they fight them. And it's a pretty simple and straightforward thing. Uh, but we do get appearances by Sunspot, Cannonball, and Smasher, which is a lot of fun. Uh, especially if you love that Avengers run. Yeah. Um, and again, th these are stories that we kind of that we are coming back to that we did have to leave behind, uh, like mm -hmm. even before like kind of Ten of Swords, but definitely that happened. And then, because yeah, there was that family trip to space, and we never really got it, never got to flourish. Yeah. Also, uh, I would like to point out that Roberto is with Deathbird now. <laughs> <laughs> like, which he got what he wanted, and yep. he's definitely going to regret that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bobby. Um, and yeah, basically, they end up saving the Empress. Uh, like you said, it does go back and tie in some of the Shi'ar stuff that we went through uh, from the New Mutants run earlier. Yeah. Um, so, which is really cool. And I love that um, uh, Deathbird is like how she volunteered the recent good fortune of her enamorato, which is Sunspot, to be for the better <laughs> and stitching people. It's like, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> like, allegedly. But I'm also happy for everyone. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. 
And uh, basically, yeah, so they they make a point that the Shi'ar owes Storm a debt, basically. So And just to Storm. So I wonder if she's actually going to use this 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 debt for over on Black Panther. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But then we get the actual ballot for the X-Men election. Um, oh, maybe. So if you want to quickly talk about that. Uh, I personally... Do not want to want Polaris to win because she's already in a book. Yes, that's that's my point exactly as well. She's like, no, and I, I get Forge too, but yeah, he's an X Force and he's a very important part of X Force. Um, I don't want to be Sunspot and Cannonball because I love them away in Shi'ar space, and I don't want them coming. You know, being an X Men it seems weird to me, even though I yeah. love both of those characters. Um, Banshee's fine, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, honestly, well, I mean, I guess that that could just like be wrapped up like in an arc or so, but I feel like he should kind of be at least kind of present towards the whole siren situation with Polaris. So I feel like there's like, don't, don't take him out just yet. Yeah. Uh, which leaves us with a strong guy, marrow, armor, and boom, boom, and tempo. Um, I would be fine with any of these five. Uh, tempo is underused, so that'd yes. be fun. Uh, boom, boom is obviously one of my favorite characters, but she'd also be a terrible team player. I know, and she, and she's been great in New Mutants. Like, don't take her away from yeah. from that book either. So I think armor is the future of the X Men. So I think, like, ideally, she's that next generation that started with Shadowcat, Jubilee, Pixie, and now Armor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that and that young female X Men that's iconic, and I think <laughs> that works with her. I would, I, I want to agree with. I mean, I do agree with you. Uh, and that is completely true, though I'd be behind on behind you on this one if she just wasn't used as a student in New Mutants, like on the, the with Tempest. Yeah. And it, it, it was like again, because again, it's like why is she even a student still? Shouldn't she be one of the mentors? And as I'm saying, like if they're already kind of still writing her super young, like maybe not in the X Men just yeah. yet. Which leaves us with Marrow and Strong Guy. Um, I would be perfectly fine with either of those, but I wanted to be Strong Guy, Ooh. and the reason is because I'm an X Factor fan, and Strong Guy's the best. He's <laughs> he's funny, but he's also really dark and sad sometimes. Like he's just a great combination, and he's also he's the rock slide of the books we're reading right now. Like that's yeah. his role. He keeps everybody cheered up. He does the sacrificial thing, like and everybody loves Guido. So also his name is Guido. <laughs> like Marrow's great. Don't get me wrong, but. There's a there's a certain power set Marrow has that a lot of characters have, and so like yeah. let's say if Marrow's in the X Men, X twenty three is not gonna be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I'd rather her be an X Force. She'd be great in X Force. Her and Quinn Choir arguing. Oh, that'd be great. So, what about you? Who's your vote? Uh, my vote went to Tempo. I, I mean, it's just like the power, and again, um, a character that just doesn't have history, so why not develop her right now in one of the greatest eras of, of X-Men and put her on the fucking team? Like, she, she she came out or as a villain, as a terrorist, MLF, and why not have her just, like, come all the way up here to just, like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm turning over, turning over a new leaf on Krakoa. I want to be an X-Men. Put me on the bill. And then, yeah, yeah have her on the team. It was her, and then Marrow. My number three was Forge. That was the only one. I know he's already in a book, but it's just, like, just create more the 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 shit that hickman could just be like yeah and forge can just make up this shit because i can make him do, do it yeah. uh the possibilities to forge are endless yeah definitely all right last x-men book excalibur number 17 oh, God. Always, this was, always save excalibur for last <laughs> this was such a heavy excalibur book <laughs> so 
Teeny Howard writing, Marcus Toe drawing, Eric Arcienaga coloring, and Ariana Mayer lettering. Um, so basically this deals with the fact that Betsy's gone. And we find out where she is. She was sent to an alternate reality where she she inhabits the body of her of her alternate self, who is not only Captain Britain, but is also the Queen of England. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth the Third, to be exact. <laughs> um, I will say one thing. One of my least favorite X-Men ships ever is Angel and Psylocke. So I'm like, oh. no. <laughs> so in this, she's with Angel, and I can't stand Angel. Like, he's one of my least favorite X-Men, easily. Um, he's such a punk. Um, but probably because he treated Husk badly, and I'm a Guthrie fan. So, hmm. um, But basically, yeah, uh, she needs to get back to her own reality. So she needs to get to the lighthouse portal to teleport back. And he's like, oh, I called somebody to help you. It's my ex-girlfriend, or my ex-wife. And it's fucking Quanin, the one whose body she stole in her world. Awkward, awkward-ass <laughs> conversations. Uh, the other part about this, and the part that I think got lost a little bit for a while for me, is Pete Wisdom's in this book, and Pete Wisdom's amazing. <laughs> like, he's just the best. I have loved the Pete guy Wisdom. The too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, there's a book you should read called Pride and Wisdom, and it's him and Kitty Pride, and they're like in this love-hate relationship. It's mm. fucking fantastic. It's so good. But he's just like a British super spy, but he is a mutant. He can throw like hot knives, like energy knives, and okay. he's great. He's just like this surly ultra British agent and just doesn't give a shit. It's great. Um, I love the part where Annalise gives him a wreath when he shows up at Krakow. He's like, welcome to Krakow. He's like, ah! <laughs> Look, he's like, the gate told us it's your first time. Would you like some flowers? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. Um, so, Psylocke gets Betsy in. An important part of it is that Betsy needs to get in unseen, so people don't see the queen there. And Betsy is just insisting on having this conversation with Quanin that was probably best left buried <laughs> about what happened between them and her world. And add to the fact that, like, basically she's like, hey, I stole your body at some point. And in this world, she literally stole his ex-husband. So I'm like, dude, just no. She doesn't, Quanin doesn't need to know this. But long story short, she finally goes to the portal, comes back, and she's like, yeah, I'm Captain Britain, you know, basically, like, uh, they're done with Mariana Stern. Mariana Stern's like, you know, if, if a member of the Braddock family would like to kick me out, they can. And they're like, there you go. The rogue is literally like, there's your fucking Captain Britain. Get the fuck out. <laughs> so, uh, so Betsy's back. Hooray. <laughs> I love Betsy. So, that is all our books this week, guys. Yeah. Um, got anything to close this off with, Osway? Oof, no, it was just a lot. It was like I, I even got other books that it wasn't was not gonna be part of the show, not yet at least. Uh, but yeah, it was like I said, a heavy load of comics. Yeah, the the X Men being four bucks again, which is nice. Guard. Yeah, missing though, dude. Like fucking Vault, like God. no Vault. I had no IDW. I had no. Um, I didn't pick up an Image book. I yeah, was it was just a one for me. Boom and Oni were my only indie books. Hmm. So. I I I literally have to branch out. I finally got some source press, uh, source point press books. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, thank you for sticking with us on this long episode. But we want to give every book a little bit of time. So uh, you can check us out on uh, Twitter at WHI Podcast. You can check me out at WHI Podcast. Keith, Liz, who is on the other show with us, but you can check her out at WHI Podcast. Liz and Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that. And we'll see you next week.